You eat babies. You have to to survive. Everyone knows that. Ain't your fault. We eat berries and mushrooms, you fool. But we did. Now none of us are left. Some maniac's been murdering us. And welcome to Playthrough Podcast. Evening, this is episode 52 and covers the final part of our Red Dead Redemption playthrough alongside the Undead Nightmare DLC. Can this finale bring about a redemption of its own or is it about to walk us into a nightmare? Let's find out. I'm Andy Gilmore and joining me as always we have Chris Worthington. Hello Chris. Pew, pew. Pew, pew. Jim Middleton. Good evening Jim. Hello. Good evening. And good evening. And Mads Christensen. Hello to you, Mads. Hello. Lovely intro there, Andy. Love that. Thanks. I try. I really do I try. thought he was going to call us the undead or something at one stage. <laughs> I would do that. It's only your brain that I feel like, to sit into. I feel so like no we, worries, Jim. <laughs> we need to give you some credit for the last introduction, Andy, because we were too busy messing around trying to interrupt you that we didn't, we didn't pay attention to what you said. And what was it you said after we've... We've got the bill now. We need to go get Dutch or something. Yeah. And yes, I said no. We've, I said that? we've now. Got, I said we've got our bill, and it's now time to go Dutch. Yeah. Where did you get? Where did you copy that from? <laughs> I'm not telling you. Because <laughs> 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 how do you? Some of us actually spend some time thinking about what we're going to say on this podcast. Some of us do. So, you don't. So you must have copied it from someone. I'm genuinely insulted. I, I have to say, I, I spend more time on the first and last five minutes of this podcast than I do on the two and a bit hours in between. <laughs> I'd like it on record. It I never very, think very good. so. No worries there at all. Yeah, I think you're better that way around. To be honest. <laughs> well, gentlemen, episode five times already. Pardon me. Matt's has listened to that episode five times already. He can't oh, get yeah. enough of yeah. it, I know. No, just runs it on repeat. Yeah, we on keep telling him to well. stop it. Mm. Stop listening so it to yourself, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, this is it. The day that I hoped would never come and many listeners thought never would. It's the end of Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> How is everybody? Are you okay? Fine, All mate. is well. All good. Good. Okay. Well... We're going to cover a reasonable amount in tonight's podcast, but it's always nice to take a few minutes to hear what's been happening and anything, particularly if it's gaming related, in our lives. So, Jim, why don't you kick us off? What's been happening since we last spoke in your world? Uh, Gaming-wise, 
I played a game called Intrepid Izzy. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that. I've heard the no. title, yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, so it came out on the Dreamcast originally on PC back in, I think it was 2021. And then it was on the Sega Powered. The demo of it was on the Sega Powered magazine. It came out a couple of issues, a couple of months ago, like a couple of issues back. So played the demo on the Dreamcast. Uh, absolutely loved it. And then it came out about a month ago, maybe two months ago, something like that, on the Switch. So I don't know if they coincided the demo with the Switch and the PlayStation release, maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, but absolutely brilliant little game. It's like a little um, sort of 2D action platformer. Not quite a Metroidvania, if you think, like Wonderboy 3. So it's got those like sort of loose sort of Metroid elements, you know, where you sort of have to go and find like a suit. Uh, mm-hmm. There's one point where you're, you're down in the caves and someone tells you you've got to find a hard hat so you can ride the mine carts. So you go off and then you have to try and find the hard hat and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's not long. It's about four hours. Um, yeah, really, really nice little game. Definitely. If you're into it's some nice bosses on there, like you almost see like, like sort of cuphead-ish type bosses but it's nowhere near as difficult as as cuphead is um yeah definitely if you're into like you met like platform sort of 2d platformers with a little bit of metroidvania elements definitely worth checking out Mm. yeah nice yeah that's that's it for me mate yeah what platform is that on you i played it on the switch but it's on the playstation now as well as the dreamcast and it's on steam obviously as well but it's not much as well. I think I paid about three or four quid for it, something like that. I think, but admittedly, that was probably in the sale when it first came out. But okay. I can't imagine it being much. I have heard of it now. I don't know whether someone was talking about it on the RA Discord or. It's, definitely heard of it somewhere. It's done by the same team that did uh, a game called Beats of Rage. Oh, that was okay, that was yeah. that was years ago when that came out. Hmm. Yeah, I think it was like a King of Fighters, uh, Streets of Rage sort of mashup. Yeah. 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 That sounds quite good. Yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. And like I say, there's a there's the demo um was on the Sega Powered magazine, so if you if you've got that, you chuck in the Dreamcast and give it That's a go. That's where I've heard of it. That's where I've heard of it. We had the Sega Power guys on Retro Asylum, didn't we? Yes. That that would have been around the time that the demo uh, the issue with the yeah. demo came out, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's definitely where I've yeah, heard yeah, of it. Yeah. Up. Very cool. good. Short and sweet. Mm. Not in keeping with our usual waffles, but Chris. Well, I was I'm waiting for anyone else if they want to chat about The Last of Us episode three. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. If, we if can do yeah, yeah, it's trying to do it in avoiding spoilers, but yeah, it's oh. a demand. Forget spoilers, let's spoil away. Yeah. That was amazing. We need to talk about it. It was sure. awesome, <laughs> wasn't it? I've not, yes. watched, I've not watched episode four yet. That's Ooh. only just come out at the time of recording. I'm going to spoil that then. You said forget spoilers. Yeah, that's uh, it. Yeah, so let's, no, a week, yeah. Mads. We've got a week. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, episode three, just, oh, what? Brilliant, wasn't it? Absolutely uh, brilliant. Just, something pretty special. I, the, sometimes with these shows, you know, when you come away from, like, the main characters, it can go into, like, filler territory, territory can't it? Mm. But this was just something else. It was just absolutely brilliant. And like fair play to him for having the, the courage to sort of come away from the main characters so early in 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 the story. Yeah, just brilliant. I don't I don't I see how to... they could have done it in like that in the game either. So 
No. Yeah. yeah. It was. I'd love to know who who what what was or who had the inspiration for for telling Bill's story in that way. Because yeah. I I wonder whether it was something that Neil Druckmann always had in mind and wanted to do, but the game it just wouldn't work. I mean, you couldn't. Nah. But you couldn't go away from the main protagonist of the game in that way like you can on, on film or TV. I think it was Chris Mazin that came to Neil Druckmann with the idea and said basically he'd kind of had a reinterpreting of it and oh, cool. eventually sold it to Neil Druckmann and when he read it and saw how he was wanting to do it, said, yeah, let's let's do it basically, um, which is a pretty big compliment to... to it was so wonderfully done and only so... I mean... It really had no connection to the main story apart from being set in the same uh, universe, and mm. it's it was so good that I'd like to see just an entire season of just uh, like tiny episodes that don't need to be tied together fully, yeah. but just tell a story, a different kind of story in in that universe. It's it's so well made. But as the kids and I talked about, it was so good that it was, the, the episode four was hard pressed to follow up on that. I mean, even before we began episode four, we sat down and we looked at each other and we said, this is going to be disappointing because they, they just knocked it out of the park on episode three yeah. without yeah. even touching the main storyline really. So, so are we even feeling the main storyline again? And of course we were after getting started on episode four, but it, it, it was, it was brave of them to do it that early on. I mean, do it as the eighth episode or something like that. That would have been, Mm. easier for some reason i think yeah but doing it that early on breaking the mold already and doing something like that i was uh i was a brave decision. i i i really liked how they did it so early on from the point of view that from now on every episode and it's not really something we'd thought about or i'd thought about too much whilst you were playing through it is that you'll definitely be along with everything else thinking about what lives each of the characters that you see from now on what they've been doing up until that point what they're day-to-day would have been like and Mm -hmm. what their relationships are like all this sort of stuff whereas i think had that episode not been in there you would have just focused on joel and ellie the whole time but it was just so nice it just kind of it really just properly managed to capture the the sort of the sentiment of the life going on despite the fact that the world has quite literally gone to shit outside is that people can still have quite happy lives and we're really making the most of it and it put a whole new perspective uh, on that world that you were seeing what we were watching there was probably the the two most happy lives in this universe in that those 15 16 years because uh, that was a very special circumstances they had there yeah 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 there will yeah but there will be he others there will prepared. be others like to say that without spoiling too much <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. 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 and it did no, like it the way good. they um they uh, that made me laugh where they showed uh, Joel and, and Tess where they sort having their uh, having their little dinner Mm. Yes. I love I love that. That's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> well, I absolutely love the, the the actor who played Bill. That that role was so beautifully yeah. portrayed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Frank as well, the guy who played Frank. I can't think of their names now, but mm. uh, they. Uh, I, to, I think it's one favorite episodes of any TV show I've I've ever seen. And yeah, I've watched Walking Dead for whatever 12, 12 seasons, thirteen seasons. The one thing that I always think. The Walking Dead have consistently struggled to do is convey is convey how the human spirit might not change, you know, in in the in the in the face of the most dreadful circumstances. It's like it's a trope of that genre, isn't it? Yeah, society falls down, and we all resort to our 
to our base primal yeah. urges. Everyone kills each other over everything. And to be honest, there's a lot of that going on in The Last of Us as well. Of there course, is, there and is. you see it a lot sooner in the game than we have in the TV series. We've only mm. had like a yeah, little I, glimpse of it, haven't we, so far? But I think what, what's, what's lovely is that they were able to convey a love story set in that world without it feeling forced or corny or cheesy. Like, it just was so beautifully written and beautifully shot and incredibly acted. Oh, man, it, I was completely blown away. I'm just spot on. Like, it, you couldn't help but feeling a little bit let down, even though I really enjoyed episode four, really enjoyed it. I had some brilliant moments. And to be honest, it is the episode that has... 100%. I mean, I really like Bella Ramsey's performance in the first two, three episodes. We've seen a bit of her in episode three. But in episode four, it's the that is the moment when... There was a moment in there, and I thought to myself, I won't say what it is because Jim hasn't seen it, but I thought, yeah, that's it. She's nailed Ellie, and I'm 100% sold now. Yeah. So it did have its moments, but couldn't help but feel a little bit like it was after the Lord's Mayor's Parade a little bit. I said this yeah. to my wife, but I wonder if that was almost intentional because it's, a, it's by, been by far the shortest episode, this one. So I wonder if it was yeah. almost intentional where they've edited it, where they thought, you know what, we do, obviously we need to get back to the story, but we also need to hit the reset button and kind of get things back on Cleanse track in terms of that. Bit. And so rather than, you know, maybe hopefully next week we'll be back. Well, I think it's actually, it's releasing early, isn't it? Because the Super Bowl's on this Sunday, yeah. so it's coming. I think it's available on Saturday instead this week. Oh, yeah. So we'll get a bit. I was in oh. two minds because that just means that you don't have to wait an extra day to watch the next episode. But clearly I'm going to watch it as soon as it's available. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think the, um, we know we've got some big, big plot beats coming up. Yes. Well. That was the other yeah, thing yeah. in, in part four. I think I feel like it was setting up a lot of what's to come. Yeah. A little bit later, like it didn't, like it, it did progress the story, and, and there was you know some key things that happened. But we know some of the major, major plot beats that mm. the series is going to hit, and we know that they're starting to come thick and fast. I think that was after just... after part four. So yeah. I think we, we we should feel excited about what's what's around the corner. Yeah, the most How important episodes... part in uh, in episode four was building the bond between Joel and Ellie, and that's what, yeah, what I got that, from that. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, that. Which they've managed that. to do, and I think just. On that, clearly they saw that. I guess the spark in the chemistry between those guys and the the casting calls. But I think on the whole, just it's probably been out of all the characters that we've seen so far, is it must be one of the strongest or the the best cast shows that I've seen. I think where each actor yeah. has been really has captured the characters from the game. Nailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And the yep. relationships between the characters as well. That's the other thing. Is it's kind of there's a genuine warmth between Joel and Ellie and it kind of obviously comes out of the episode but it, yeah just fantastic another really really good one I just wanted more of it that was my only criticism it just it was too short it's like give me more 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 <laughs> so did you guys spot the well it wasn't even a cameo the role of of one of the game actors in yeah it's Tommy four? isn't it yeah. yeah yeah the guy who plays Tommy oh, awesome yeah. yeah he plays a, a character who's not in the game there's a character called Kathleen who, Jim, remember the Hunters? This isn't a spoiler. Yeah, you remember yeah, yeah. the Hunters from the game when you got to Pittsburgh? Yep. Well, they're introduced in part four, and we get introduced to this, this character called Kathleen. She has, an, she has like a, a right-hand man, and I can't remember his name, but when you watch it, the guy with the beard, that is that is the guy who played Tommy in the game. Okay, uh, didn't know. Yeah. Mm. 
I wonder if Pittsburgh's good. Well, I think this section is meant to be Pittsburgh, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. Fucking Pittsburgh, like, Kansas. Is it? Is it going to be eight hours long? <laughs> do we do we think we're going to see Joel pushing Ellie around on a raft? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to be I very disappointed so. if there's not at least a nod to it. Yeah. Well, they've already there's already been a scene in the series where she says she can't swim. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, there's got to be some. I'm sure they've written it in as some sort of joke at some point where they'll get there and there will be something that resembles a raft or something, and Joel will say, yeah. "Why don't you jump on that?" And she'll be like. No, I'll just walk around this way instead, or something. There's got to be, they've got to pay some sort of um, tribute <laughs> to the fact that uh, that'd be the worst possible way of travelling across the water. One of my favourite moments of the series so far, and Jim, you you've got this to watch, is the the poor mug in the back of the car. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I yes. love that scene. Yeah, yeah. That. yeah, absolutely yeah. love. Yeah, it. that one's almost. Yeah. yeah, there's a few bits that are almost scene for scene, which is fantastic. Yeah, because yeah, I. Yeah. Yeah, I remember um, we finished our first episode, didn't we? Just after they get in the car. That's right. So yeah, we're yeah, we're episode that, yeah. three finishers is where we our like episode. Our very our yeah. Most, like, it was funny watching episode this episode finish. because that's exactly what I was thinking as I was watching. I think I was thinking to myself, this is the scene at which we stopped, and this is where we started again. It's it's really yeah. cool just how much kind of um of a connection I guess we have with the the game and its material and everything so yeah. it's very good very very good well enjoy I've been listening to to our old episodes on it oh yeah and just to yeah just to remind myself and yeah I, yeah, I feel like which, which is ridiculous they hold up no right. of, they were they're, they're excellent yeah. they were excellent at the time and they're, they're I think they've aged like a fine wine I think they're absolutely wonderful some of our best work definitely and uh but I don't know. Like I, th- I feel like the bond that we have with the Last of Us is just stronger than than anybody else's. Just because you know we spend so much yeah, time with it. Yeah. Well, uh, it was uh, it was more Last of Us three rumors again today, so it's fine. We're going to get another game to play at some point in yes. the future, so don't worry about it. We'll have to play through that day one, I reckon. Yeah, that's the one we'll make Absolutely, an exception yeah. for. That's uh, yep. the, yeah, the, yeah. We'll break our rules. the one year older embargo will be lifted. Yeah, and that and Zelda. Potentially, oh, yeah. yes. Potentially. Uh-huh. Potentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's good. So enjoy the episode when you get the chance to watch it. You'll you'll enjoy it, Jim. Um, other than that, Chris, any gaming news? Anything that's particularly newsworthy on the gaming side? I've been playing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. What do you think? The first time. I really like it. Yeah? Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, you, you played it, Jim. Yeah, I played, yeah, I played through. Yeah, yeah. About you talking about finishing it, yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, I did. I knocked it, so I I struggled with it. On um, I was playing normal difficulty, and because you can choose which planet you go down yeah. to, can't you? Um, and there was the, you didn't go to Dathomir straight away, did you? I can't. Remember. It was the one where you uh, I can't remember the name of the planet. It's sort of like green. It's a green planet. Loads at the start. You drop down, and I think. you is it a, a, like a Rancor, Runcor, or something like that that you uh, have to fight? It's ca- that's uh, Kashik, isn't it? The, Kashik. Home of the uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Kashik, Kashik, Kashik. Whatever it Kashik. is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that that just kept beating me up. And I was like, right. I've just got there, so I've just literally before we recorded played the bit. You know where you get in the the Atat? Yeah, yeah. So I've just done that. That's bit. really that's, that's so, really good. So atmospheric, so isn't it? Good. Oh, nice. <laughs> like. It's a stupid. It's quite you know. In other games, I'd be quite critical about stuff like that because you know you drop you know, they put in this mechanic that we've seen so many times. You know, they just drop into a mechanic into a game. It's that's not about 
walking around in an attitude, but I don't know. I think like it doesn't outstay its welcome. It's just really good fun. Yeah, blowing up the stormtroopers in this big walk. I think. Yeah, and then once you start I'm, unlocking, unlocking like your skill tree and all the rest of it, it's yeah. Really, really yeah, good. Yeah, I really like it. You know, I've been reading some reviews about it saying, oh, you know, it's combat is just like, it's like a Tesco version of Souls or something like that, or you know, some kind of these snobby comments. <laughs> it is, it is snobby, yeah. yeah, it is snobbiness, isn't yeah. it? Stuff like that. Yeah. But like, I, I've not played Dark Souls, so I, I have nothing to compare it to. And I really like the combat, and I really like the, the kind of Metroidvania exploration to it as well. Like, I've already gone back to a previous planet and just kind of opened up some of the routes that I couldn't go through first time round. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm liking the story so far. Like, it's not nothing too complex, but yeah. it keeps, keeps you ticking along. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a decent, really... decent enough story. For and I'm playing it, on the story, Steam, yeah. playing it on the Steam Deck, and there's just something magical about playing a AAA game from only a couple of years ago, or three years ago, whenever it was. Mm. Like on the Steam Deck, yeah. and it's, yeah, it's just brilliant, and it looks incredible on the Steam Deck. And I managed to get a found on the, the brilliant Pixel Deck Facebook page. They had a big test run on it where they they posted like the ideal settings for the Steam Deck and exactly how to tweak the graphic settings, which gives a blend of making it look just right, but it runs at a pretty rock solid thirty frames per second as well. Oh, nice, so yeah, because I remember. Yeah, I think, really I think it was that. It's got like like a weird sort of video grain that you can have over it, isn't it? I think. I don't know. I don't know whether I've got that turned on. I might mm. not have because you probably played it on the Xbox. Yeah, um, the One X. So it was the first yeah. game that I played for on the One X after getting that. And I was just like, yeah. I never had the original Xbox. I, I jumped in with the One X. I was like, guy had a PS4 that sounded like it was yeah. trying to blow itself up, and then got the One <laughs> yeah. X, and it was just blown away with it. Three pound forty nine. It was on Steam. No way. Three pound forty nine. It's just been on uh, PS Plus, hasn't it as well? I think so. Yeah, mm. yeah. I have got it on. Yeah, it's, I think it's on Game Pass as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just beautiful on the steam deck i just love playing it nice. like that just sitting on the sofa with the you know some competitive phones on it's just yeah it's just really really good yeah oh nice man so i'm enjoying that yeah yeah it's that's good game other than other than finishing off red dead and playing some final fantasy 3 that that's really what i've been doing nice all good things and for yourself meds red dead redemption is pretty much the only thing i've played apart from i i just managed to sync Three hours, I think, into Blackwell Legacy, um, the point-and-click game from Wet Your Eyes or Watch Your Eyes or whatever they're called, uh, Dave Gilbert's uh, company, uh, which was really <coughs> nice. It's it's only a three-four hour game, so I finished that the the Blackwell Legacy, the first of, I think, five games in that series. I bought the the humble bundle that was out recently, where you get all of the games. So uh, it, it was a, like a supernatural detective story, and I, I quite enjoyed that. Um, so I'm, I'm going to play the rest of them. It's, it's, it's They're nice little games that you can start on your Steam Deck and play for half an hour before you go to bed. Or actually, I play them for half an hour in bed before I go to sleep. Perfect. So, uh, yeah. Do they all follow like follow the same characters and like there's a it's same, the same like, story all the way through? So, so far, I've only played the first one and just the five minutes of the second one. And uh, okay. at least I can see... It, it, it's called Blackwell after the family Blackwell. Um, so I, I think we're going to stick with the same two protagonists, but let's see. So, so far, it's uh, well, we we played one person, and now we're 
in the second game I'm back in time some 20 years and playing another person from the same family okay mm. how does it control on the Steam Deck Mads with the point I mean, they, interface they have updated it. it's, a, it's an older game and they must have updated it specifically for use on the Steam Deck. So it's it's got that wonderful control where the mouse is controlled by both of the the touchpads, the thumb touchpads. So you can yeah. like there's like handover between them and, and a little bit of force feedback. It just feels so naturally. So you you put both nice. either thumb on on the the, the touchpads there, and then your uh, index fingers on the um, the trigger buttons for left and right click, yeah. and it just works brilliantly. I love playing adventure games yeah. on the Steam Deck, but especially those that just have taken that extra bit of care and, and adjusted yeah. it to work with the controls, because of course you can control the mouse using just, I think uh, the, the, the default is it's just the right uh, little the right touchpad, pad, the yeah. trackpad. But when you do that handover thing between the two pads, it just it, it's becomes second nature controlling. So, uh, and, and that little bit of force feedback as well, as well, for some reason that just makes it feel so much more natural. So, um, I don't think I've tried a game where it does that with that handover. I've played a few now. Um, I forget which the first ones were, but uh, I've played a few adventure games, point and click adventure games, which just they just done that. And I'm sure you could load up any old uh, point and click adventure and then load that kind of control scheme yourself because mm -hmm. it must just be some, yeah. some control configuration, really. But it's so nice when yeah. the developers have just well typed that into their Steam config and, and made it available immediately because it, it just yeah. it's a joy to play point and click adventure games on the Steam Deck like that. You you there's don't miss a mouse at all. I, I, there's something in it in there because I played through Broken Sword Five on the Vita, yeah, and then I played through um, Beneath the Steel Sky when that first came out again for the iPad mm. way back when. Um, it's just something about it in there playing a. A point and click on a on on a handheld. Yeah, just, when, it just feels right. Yeah. First times I played point and clicks on the the iPad, I was blown away as well. I mean, it, it's just yeah, it's, it's so nice yeah. to have that experience, and you don't have to sit in front of uh, of the PC. You can be on the couch or wherever. So, yeah, I think yeah, as I said, I've been playing a, this a slower only paced game, isn't it? That you can just kind of sit back and relax with. It's not something that kind of requires yeah. your undivided attention and something that you maybe want. No. A slightly more traditional setup for because you maybe need it out of necessity for the game or whatever. There's something about like, sitting back on the sofa in a nice comfy chair or whatever, like say, or in yep. bed and and playing mm. these types of yeah. games. It's yeah, the two of them go much better together. And they're games that you can just pick up, play, and and I haven't I haven't got a single safe game in this game because every time I was done, I would just turn no. off the power or suspend the, the the Steam Deck and then turn it back on again back when I picked it up again. That's so. awesome, isn't it? In Resident Evil, you'd be getting S rank, man. <laughs> Hollywood. No, no save. No save run. <laughs> no, but I, that that's definitely a game series I I'm I'm going to see through because that was very interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it was actually I have Roushi to thank for that because he was the one who who gave them a, a nice little review on our Discord forums, and therefore I picked up that bundle and had a look at him. You played Shardlight, didn't you? When we yes. when I spoke with Francisco that's Gonzalez a couple of years ago, well. great game. Yeah, so that was that's Dave Gilbert. Yeah, no, well, what that was in the bundle as well, so I may have an extra copy of that now. But uh, I think actually, f funny uh, you should mention Francesco. He was a voice actor for uh, just a small role in this uh, in this Blackwell yeah. game, I think. Yeah, you mentioned that when I when I spoke to him. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I think that little community. They're, they're all, you know, what's the engine called? The um, well, the ADS, ADS engine, isn't mm -hmm. it that they use? I think 
I think a lot of the devs who put stuff out on that, they all know each other. It's all yeah. one big community, isn't it? Yeah. I think Dave Gilbert was one of the originals. Yeah, yeah. And they're one of the best, I would say, as well. But now that I've seen uh, this game, I'm going to try to play through all this, that stuff I got in the bundle and, and buy some of their new games yeah. to support their work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you, Andy? What have you been up to? I have been counting down the days until the release of the PSVR 2, two days, two weeks today, rather. Ooh. Okay. Two weeks tomorrow? Oh, it is two weeks today, two isn't weeks it? Today. Yeah, 22nd. 22nd. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, very right, excited I, uh, about that. I got I got FOMO for the first time when you put that link up <laughs> with all the uh, like the upcoming games and the Q and A and everything. We're else. gonna keep it. Like, it'll be it'll God. be a slow and steady stream of that coming your way, Jim. Don't you? Yes. Worry. We're just yeah. slowly turn that Jim. screw for the next couple of weeks until you crack. Jim, you yeah. could buy two extra PS5s instead for that money, and to just have three monitors like lined up side by side that be a whole <laughs> VR setup in itself. Yeah, well, I've got my PS. Five stood up, so no doubt that's going to start leaking its innards all over the shop at some point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, It is a lot of money, but I'm certainly glad that I've got my pre-order in place, and I've never been tempted to cancel it. And and, and people are quite rightly sceptical about PSVR and VR generally, and I do get that, and they're quite right. But from what I read and from all the stuff that I'm seeing from People and journalists who I respect as well, Ian Higton, a Eurogamer, and and others. Um, it's just going to be something special, I think, for those who are into it. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you and you and I, Andy, are are are, are two of those. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to feel like a quantum leap mm. from what we've seen with the original. I, yeah, I'd like I to agree. know one of those articles you uh, sent a link for said that it was even better than the PC uh, VR solutions. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit clickbaity that headline. Yeah, so that was I would like to know how they do that on a PS5 with that measly GPU compared to what you well, have on a PC. Well, well, what this guy was saying. So this is the guy who's developed. I think there's a game called Pavlov or something like that, which is one of the launch titles. Okay, it's a first-person shooter that's been developed for for PSVR2. Mm. And what he was saying is because of the way PSVR2 renders the images using this eye tracking thing. It really cuts down on the computational power needed to render the image because it will it it will render the rest of the image in your peripheral vision, but it will focus seventy five percent of the computational power on just what you're looking at. Yeah. So it kind of so. cuts down on the overhead. Mm. And he was saying that he was saying that with a PC, although PCs are obviously a lot more powerful than PS five, a good PC is anyway. That there's still a lot, you lose a lot in the general running of a PC. You lose a lot of that computational power. Whereas consoles gain a little bit over a PC because they don't have the overhead. But he said the big game changer with PSVR 2 is this is this eye tracking technology mm. and the fact that it will only, it will focus all of its efforts onto that what you're looking at at any one time yeah. rather than just having the whole thing rendered well yeah because i think they were saying like if the if especially if it was a high spec pc if that was running as efficiently as what the psvr2 tech is then clearly there would be a huge gap the the pc based tech would be significantly better but the psvr2 is is running so efficiently that it's uh, is at least uh, if not even better, see at least a you know very strong yeah. match for it. So it's, it's going to be really. I I think compared to what you know, the only experience I've had of it, and I I find that I thought the original PSVR I find that impressive because that's my only kind of real 
exposure to VR stuff. But um, mm, you know, you're you're t- you're talking to somebody who backed an Amico in television here, so you know it's um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm maybe not the uh, the, 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 the best of that. judges, the best of judges when it comes to new technology. But um, I am 100% on board with this. I have got some some very high hopes for what I want to the type of games that I want to play or what maybe the type of games that don't currently exist or I don't have access to mm. I think this this will fill um, this will fill a real gap in my kind of gaming desires it could be a, it could be awesome and I'm willing to take nice. a punt you know we'll see how it works out and that's release date right, talk this off work that, and uh, it's my week sorry, off I've got I've got a week off nice? yeah 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 oh, nice. is yeah. it Call of the Wild Have you got that pre-ordered Call of the Mountain. Call of the it? Mountain. Sorry. So I oh in for in for a penny in for a pound, Jim. So I got the I got the Horizon bundle. So it yeah, comes yeah. with that. Nice. Yeah. I don't think I did. I don't think I did, and, and obviously can't play that until until I've played Forbidden West. So, uh, but I'm, I'm, there's a game called Tentacula that I'm looking forward to, um, which is available on Quest, which I, yeah, didn't come to PSVR. So I'm looking forward to that. Fantavision. That, I'm expecting that to look pretty spectacular in VR. And there's the one which the eyes one where you blink. I forget what it's called now. Where if you blink, every time you blink, like it changes. Okay. The, the scene changes. I forget what it's called. Did they get uh, Half-Life yeah, Alex the on there? Not yet. Okay. That's in it. If that, that and a new Astro bot, that's, that's my, uh, that I break like the... The weakest yeah, I mean, Half-Life Alex would be a killer app for yeah. sure, but yeah. I can't. I'm, I can't I'm really it. hoping that they're okay. sitting on a few big announcements. I mean, obviously there was like that one that you were talking about, which it blows my mind that they haven't publicised it more, which gives me some yeah, hope. The Gran Turismo yeah, 7. the fact that basically the full game is available in it is it's yeah. pretty phenomenal um, and from yeah, a and value for money in- perspective. And supposed to be absolutely incredible as well. The, you know the whole experience. VR driving again. That's you need to bring a bucket, mate. I mean, that's that's yeah. recipe for disaster. But that's where VR <laughs> works, though, doesn't it? I mean, you're sitting in a car. You know, mm. you're sitting in a cockpit. You know, yeah. that's where. These, it, it doesn't bother me. See, I, I play Ace Combat there on with the the PSVR, and it's just it, it doesn't. I, I've never felt sick no, with I VR. Don't suffer either. No, and I know no, that. It's, I, I, I know it's a very personal thing. There's some people mm-hmm. who, you know, are kind of will have no problem doing all sorts of extreme things, but as soon as you put the headset on, it just there's some disconnect between what you're seeing and what you're feeling, and obviously it doesn't yep. end very well. But I've, it's never something that's bothered me. The only thing that gets me is when frame rates stutter. So I have had that in a, in a, I forget what game I was playing when the frame rate started to get choppy, mm. and that did that threw me for for a, yeah I had to take it off. It's a very large percentage of people who experience VR that, that can't handle the disconnect between the but what you see and what you actually feel on your body. I think it's yeah. an inner ear thing really because when you're in a car you're moving and you can feel that in your body even though you're not the thinking about it and if you're not in a car but everything still seems as if you are and you're moving it just it for me it makes me nauseous immediately yeah. and it's very common it seems yeah speaking of something that you see and uh, makes you feel nauseous was uh, i was trying to play goldeneye the other night on obviously <laughs> got, we talked about this on the last episode it was just about to come out so mm-hmm. I tried to play it on the switch version and there's no way of there's a very roundabout way of doing it but there's no quick and easy way of mapping modern controls onto 
um, yeah. onto that game. And so I was trying to play it for about... I had to give up after 10 minutes because I felt sick because it was literally... I, I spent 10 minutes just running around where when I was trying to... If I was trying to look left or right, I was strafing left or right. Or if I was trying to look up or down, I was moving forwards or back. And I think there must yeah. be... I think there must be something the the modern I think twin stick shooter control scheme is so hardwired into our brains now mm. that it's really hard to go back to what things used to be like. And there was a few folk that mm. were singing the our Discord group and other Discord groups that basically with after five minutes they basically had just picked up where they'd left off with the N sixty four control scheme. I just couldn't get it. And I think there was something about those slightly obviously the 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 dated graphics, but just running around in circles whilst constantly <laughs> looking up and down <laughs> At the mm. exact point where I, where I was trying where I was trying to get my brain or my brain was wanting to do something else, but I was seeing the, the opposite of it all. It basically, I just ended up feeling sick and had to switch it off. Yeah. So it's that was weird, my isn't it? that was my experience of Goldeneye. I, <laughs> after after, after all the build up and the hype, have was, you not tried it on the Xbox? I, I have. That's I've been playing on the Xbox now. I, I've can, had a great time playing it yeah, on the Xbox. And that's it. It's just such a shame that that doesn't have the multiplayer. But you would think. Well, yeah. I say you would think. Whether they will or not is another matter, but you would hope that Nintendo would patch in modern controls. Yeah. But yeah, it it's been years deal. since I went through the campaign as well, and so just and obviously you don't get anything, do you, from no. from the game? It's like take a photo of like the satellite, and so yeah. I've, I've forgotten forgotten it also. It's like almost like going through it again for like for the yeah. first time. Yeah, yeah it, it is good, really, really yeah. good. Um, the only other thing I've played recently was I started playing Somerville. I don't know if you've seen or heard of that. Oh, yeah, that's supposed to be really good. Yeah, so I was looking the other day just for something to play to fill the time between having finished Red Dead and when we start um, Season 5. And I was just looking for short indie games that I might like. And this one kind of popped up in the feed. It was on Game Pass. So I've, I'm probably about halfway through it. So I'm, I'm going to try and finish it off good. tomorrow. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, so it's from the guy yeah, who um, was the, I think he was the, executive producer or co-producer on the studio that made Limbo and Inside. Yeah, that's right. So it plays similarly to those. It's enjoyable. It's good. It, the, the, Play Dead. Yes, that's it. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, Jump Ship's a new studio, but yeah, he was at Play Dead. Yeah, so it's good. I enjoy it. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's probably, I think it's only five or six hours, so I must be probably halfway through it. I think I just, I just played it on a whim the other night and I actually got quite into it. It's got, it's had a good story so far. So it's got yeah. me, um, it's got me interested. But that's been it from my side of things. The other one, if you're... Well, it's very different, but I always get them confused. It came out roughly the same time. Saturnalia. Okay. don't know whether you've seen that I on have your not. travels. I'm not sure whether it's on Xbox, actually, but that is, an, that is another... It, it, they're probably very different, but I always think... When I think of some of them, I think of... Um, I think of Saturnalia as well. But that's another kind of three or four hour... Yeah, well, that's what want. I'm trying to do. I, I think... If I'm honest, the, the the time is so limited these days out with our playthrough titles for for the bigger games that I'm just trying to find small indie yeah. games that I've got an interesting story that might be three, yeah. four, five hours or whatever that I can just play in conjunction or in between each of our recordings and yeah. probably hopefully manage There's to so many of take off more games than what I did last year. Yeah, Hi-Fi Rush is another one that I saw that. Yes, yes. I've got that downloaded, to ready to uh, ready to give it a go. Yeah. I played an hour of it. It's really good. Do you need... Really, really good. I, I, I've got no rhythm. So... <laughs> <laughs> None of us do, Jim. It's okay. Have a few drinks. You'll be, fine. You'll be all right. Yeah. Very good. Well, it's in a store... It's been a good couple of weeks for everybody. So, obviously, the main purpose of this, we're going to cover off on the finale of our playthrough of Red Dead Redemption. So, the format is going to be that we'll 
split the podcast into two parts. So the first part is going to cover the finale of the mainline Red Dead story. And then we'll have a little break, possibly alongside a short musical interlude. And then we'll be discussing our time with the Undead Nightmare DLC. So, Chris, you had very kindly offered earlier in the week to give us a quick recap of what we'd covered on the previous podcast and Act 3. Do you want to give us a quick reminder of what we've where we left off? Sure thing. So we'd left the dusty, sandy roads of Mexico behind us and we've, at the start of the session, we arrived at Marston's home state of West Elizabeth, where we, I think all of us, headed straight to the Bureau of Investigation and demanded some answers from our old mates, Edgar Ross and Archer <laughs> Fordham. But wasn't all as expected, because rather than being reunited with his family, Marston's greeted with the news that actually they want him to take out Dutch van der Lind, the old leader of the gang, before they uh, reunite Marston with his family or tell him where his family is being held. So Marston goes off on one last, one last hunt for the old gang members, his old mates. Uh, he has a crack at Dutch because Dutch comes to Blackwater to meet a ba- meet with a banker, um, but he escapes in the end after a confrontation, kills a bank worker, gets away. We have another unsuccessful attempt to get him on the wreck of the Serendipity, like a um, some kind of steamboat or something nearby. Um, and after that, we meet our good mate, our cocaine adult doctor, Harold <laughs> McDougall, and the Native American Nastus, who was being held on the Serendipity. Um, with them, we head out to Cochinet nearby, where we're led to believe that Dutch is being holed up. Um, but we only get a glimpse of him before he shoots us in the head. But it misses and hits his binoculars, rendering Marston unconscious. We didn't comment on this last time, but how lucky is Marston? Like, <laughs> the bullet that was intended for his brain hit his binoculars well, and only knocked him out. We'll discuss this at the end. Is there some sort of divine very intervention very, here? Who knows? Very lucky, man. Uh, so after that second warfare failed attempt to capture Dutch, uh, Nastus sets up a meeting with some of Dutch's people. He says it will be a meeting of minds, Indians and whites, academics and criminals, coming together to find a common understanding. Well, it doesn't quite work out like that, does it? Because poor old Nastus is killed and Marston and McDougall have to hightail it back to Blackwater uh, with the tail between their legs. At this point, McDougall decides he's had enough of trying to help Marston uh, track down Dutch. He decides to do one and under cover of fire, we accompany accompany him back to uh, Manzanita Post where he gets on a train uh, and... Uh, some may say, uh, with good riddance, <laughs> leaves leaves the stage, uh, and that's the last of him we'll see until Undead Nightmare. Uh, at that point, the army turn up. Quite why they've taken so long and why they chose right now to make their entrance, we, we never really know. Uh, it turns out, actually, that Fordham and Ross know exactly where Dutch is. So with the help of the army, we take the fight to Dutch, and after a chase through a cave, we have a final confrontation with Dutch on a cliffside. And after a, a one final emotional conversation between Master and Dutch, Dutch uh, throws himself from the cliff and, and kills himself. And as the scene fades and the sunset on our last session, uh, Ross shoots a dead Dutch 
and tells Marston, or where's this effect, that it will look better this way. Uh, he tells Marston that his family are waiting for him at Marston's ranch, which is about a three-minute horse ride away from where <laughs> Dutch lies dead. And uh, that's where we left it, or some of us left it. It's where we should have left it. <laughs> Although I, I, yes. <laughs> I accidentally played instructions. The <laughs> yeah, well, you possibly saw this bit twice in, or maybe you've got... Three to... times. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, a very nice summary of what we've seen in the last section. And I think on the whole... The general consensus was that by the end of the last section that we felt maybe for those of us who hadn't been enjoying it quite so much maybe we maybe felt the game had turned a corner a little bit and at least was heading in the right direction it maybe hadn't quite got there but we liked more of what we'd seen in the last section and maybe what we had done previously yeah i think that sentiment is echoed somewhat um along with the reasons for it from one of our listeners and fellow um podcast hosts so this we've got a little listener clip here that we'll play and this is from one of um mads's good friends co-host on a podcast the video game newsroom time machine podcast at mads you make some of you've made quite a few appearances on that mads haven't you i have i have i continue to do so when i find the time yeah exactly that so this is from one of the hosts or the main host carl and he's very kindly given us a submission that he wanted to have included in the the final episode with his thoughts on Red Dead Redemption. So we'll hand you over to him and then we'll get back together. Hello, playthrough podcast peeps. Carl here from the Video Game Newsroom Time Machine plug. So, uh, as Mads has already previewed in the previous episode, I agree with all of his criticisms, but say that he was missing the point and here is the point as I see it. Rockstar, with their two proper in-house developed franchises, Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead Redemption, have picked up the mantle, the spiritual mantle, of one of the great classic vi- uh, computer game and video game developers, Cinemaware. Now, Cinemaware is often thought of as a company trying to make movies as digital entertainment, but that's not really what they were doing, because a movie has a plot, so you would be playing through a plot. Instead, Cinemaware was distilling that which made a genre a genre. So, when you're looking at a genre of movies, you know, great swashbuckling medieval epics, or sci-fi B-movies from the 1950s or whatever, all of the movies that fall into that category have certain key elements, certain key scenes that always recur, which is what brings the fans of those genres in. They're looking for those scenes and the plots are also important, but that's not what makes the genre a genre. And so the Cinemaware games were always recreating the feel of the genre the overall strategic element or the overall plot if you will was just an excuse to keep going through the cool scene where you're you know the daring swordsman in the castle or uh in a game like uh the uh, in the sinbad game where you are you know trying to solve a puzzle before the trap goes off or whatever you were doing it was always about giving you the feeling of 
those big key moments in that genre. And that's what Rockstar has been doing with Grand Theft Auto, where it's all your favorite scenes from gangster movies. And they shifted from one era to the other. The game that it didn't really work all that well, Grand Theft Auto 4, is because they tried to get more realistic. They tried to do plot-driven. That wasn't what those games were supposed to be about. Red Dead Redemption is not a Western. It is not an American-style Western. It's not a German-style Western, and sadly, that is an actual genre. Don't even try going there. Uh, it's a spaghetti Western. Spaghetti Westerns are lowbrow, both in humor, both in their approach to human beings, uh, in their approach to sexuality and violence or exploitation films that have very specific scenes that come up. The plot of the game is just as intellectually stimulating as the plot of Lord of the Rings, which is literally just an excuse to show off all the cool elements of the world of Middle-earth that Tolkien had created. The plot here is just to get you from one point to the other. It makes no sense that he would tolerate his wife, this guy who can kill a thousand freaking uh, banditos without even blinking. He would put up with this two feds kidnapping his wife and kid. That's clearly illegal. No, he would just take those assholes out, move to some other place in the West, and nobody would ever know he changed his name. Done. The plot makes no sense because it's not supposed to. It is just a device to keep us moving from one territory to the other so we can live through those different spaghetti Western trope scenes, those great little action moments that are mindless, fun, that make us feel super powerful in a powerless world. And that's what Grand Theft Auto does so wonderfully. That's what Red Dead Redemption does so wonderfully. And it is literally a balm for the soul, especially for someone like me who grew up on spaghetti westerns, who grew... I love genre film. I love the idea of taking the same core elements and finding new ways to remix them without losing that spirit. That's why I love Cinemaware games. That's what they're doing here. Don't try to read more into it. Enjoy it for the sheer beauty of what it is a true interactive genre movie. Peace out. So that was Carl. Thanks a lot, mate, for that very uh, clever clip there. I wish you told me this before. As you said a couple of times on your own show, uh, you, you wanted to say this to me every time you've heard one of our episodes because you thought I... I completely misunderstood what this game was about, and I think you're about right. Um, if I had known beforehand not to be looking for a big narrative experience, but rather a um, spaghetti western pastiche, I would have loved it a lot more. Um, and, and I find that's probably my uh, my takeaway from this experience altogether is try not to get your expectations up too much for something, or maybe try not to be focus too heavily in one way on a game, book, video, uh, movie, whatever you go into. Because I, I definitely, after hearing you, Andy, and you, Chris, talk about this game, thought I was in for a big narrative experience here and that this was what I was uh, was what I should be looking for. 
And and that's not what I found, for me at least. I found something else. But had I known, I think you tried to tell me at some point actually in one of the early episodes, Chris, had I known that this was more of a GTA with the spaghetti western theme and uh, you should laugh at it and have fun with it instead of uh, looking for the larger narrative, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more. So, so had I just listened to Carl's clip before I started, I think I would have uh, had a lot more fun with the beginning of this game. As we all know, I did have fun with the, the last part we, we recorded, and I enjoyed this part as well. But I would have enjoyed the beginning as well. I would have, uh, yeah, I, I would have played it in a completely different way. Yeah, so. and I think to that end also, it's it'll be interesting when we get to the conclusions because I've got a couple of thoughts along similar lines. In fact, that I feel maybe I may have missold the game to you particularly but I'm not sure that that was in hindsight I think we'll cover it in the conclusions but I think my recollections of it and I think my experiences of it have turned out to be something different to what they were originally um, but not for the worse so we'll cover that when we Mm -hmm. get to it at the end in the conclusions but yeah thank you again to Carl for that we really appreciate him taking the time to um, to send that in on top of everything else that he's doing himself so Chris had said that we'd finished up at the end of the the last one with the instruction, which we all followed to the letter, that we were to head home to your family. And having done so, we arrive at the ranch at Beecher's Hope, where Marston is finally greeted with a somewhat frosty reception from his <laughs> wife, Abigail, and also from his rather shy and timid son Jack alongside a man only known as Uncle who John had supposedly left in charge of his ranch potential plot hole there you would assume that if he'd been left in charge of the ranch that all the times up until now we'd stopped at Beecher's Hope you might have seen him there but he was probably fast asleep in the barn or something judging by the state that the ranch was left in so maybe (laughs) um, but I think as I understood it Uncle was supposedly at Beecher's Hope that whole time was that how you read it? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, Marston has a go with him, doesn't he, for for failing to? Because I think by the time the all the cattle have oh, it's in complete and, disarray. Yeah, there's basically there's no crops. Yeah. All the all the livestock's been rustled, and it basically is in no way a ranch of any sorts, and it's certainly not going to be able to provide for him and his family. So, so you I think that's how they get around the narrative distance. But did you guys know? So I've you know combined total of. 70 hours or so playing this game now. Did, I had no idea that the thing that I was running past very often was Marston's Ranch. No. Nope. Didn't know. Like, <laughs> so Beecher's Hope, you didn't... Hmm. No. And I've forgotten from my first playthrough yeah, as well. I, so. I only remembered it from the first playthrough. I don't think there was ever anything that would give you any indication that that was his... Ra- it was never mentioned by name, was it? It's a bit weird, isn't it, that he never mentioned, like, I just live over there. Yeah, <laughs> I, meant, I meant to ask, actually, uh, in the last episode, could we have gone into Blackwater and West Elizabeth from, like, hour one? No. Only by glitching. You can glitch your way there. Oh, OK. OK. okay. okay. I, just, I, I was thinking the way that. that the game sort of... Yeah, you can, you can, yeah. The way that the game sort of funnels you away without sort of without you realising that you're being funneled away from that area of the map, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you go down to Mexico, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I just wondered if we could have gone in there. There's two bridges that are under construction, so you can get across. Ah, okay. I'm sure if he actually really wanted to, he could have done, but 
in the game. Yeah, and as we said last time as well, these distances are supposed to be a lot greater yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Than, than the game is capable of, of, of showing us. Yeah. yeah. So John's effectively returned to a, a, a rapidly failing ranch and in true John fashion wastes no time in setting about putting things right. So it basically leads us into what will effectively be three separate mission strands with each family member through Abigail, Jack and Uncle. And that during the course of these, we discover a little bit more about each of them and their background. Because obviously, given that at this point, I must have been probably 35-ish hours, 36 hours into the game, I think, something like that. And we still don't really know anything about these characters other than the fact that they were being held under duress by the two agents but there's a couple of little bits that are either both in the guidebook or it's not spoilers far from it but just gives a wee bit of background information to it so obviously John's wife Abigail Abigail Morrison Jack's obviously Jack's mother um there's a couple of details that do come out over the course of Red Dead 2 which I won't reference but the important point is that she was also a former member of the Vanderlind gang, where she was initially was one of the gang's prostitutes. But over the course of that, she ultimately chose to become faithful to John, and she is both regarded as and held responsible for one of the reasons why John ultimately leaves the gang and the deterioration in relationships between him and the other gang members. In conjunction with that, you've got Uncle, who was... Uh, nobody, I don't think that even in the course of Red Dead 2, I don't think there's, you ever really find out too much about him. He is basically just um, a, a drinking partner of all of them, effectively. He's one of these guys who just seems to always be there, but ultimately serve no purpose. And um, in fairness to him, he, he, he basically leaves alongside the Marstons when they decide to make a, a break from the gang uh, and has lived with them since. And he seems to effectively be both accepted and treated like family whether you know whether that's for better or worse and then <laughs> um that's the way they treat family yeah. <laughs> yes yes there's not a single mission with him where john doesn't threaten to kill him so no 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 it seems to motivate him though so maybe that's what he needs maybe he just knows him very Perhaps. well it's uh, yeah i might try that with my family members who aren't doing things that i need them to do if, like if my wife is refusing to do the dishes or something i might just threaten to put a hole in her head and see if it see how that gets on do it. yeah i reckon that'll get you far yeah i think so yeah it's gonna be trying and then obviously we've got jack as well and he was born while the obviously his parents were still members of the Vandalin gang, so he was effectively born into the gang and in some respects was kind of raised collectively by them. Uh, but he obviously doesn't seem to have, at this point, seems to have been sort of too too affected either way by that. But a lot of the events of Red Dead 2, which is quite an interesting story for that from that perspective, it focuses on sort of Jack's formative years and the, the early years of Jack's life and John's life as as, as his father. Um, it's quite an interesting part of this story. Uh, he obviously comes across as really kind of a, a bright and curious young man, obviously a keen interest in reading. Um, but these kind of bookish traits, I guess, are really kind of trumped only by his, what seems to be an apparent eagerness to try and impress his father mm. and to kind of meet him on his, uh, on, on sort of, on, on on John's terms rather than his own. The it was it was quite a it was it was it was quite a different section to obviously what we've been playing for the majority of the game up until this point. There's there's only nine missions that we play in this section, and we get I think it was three of them through 
Abigail, two through Uncle, and then four through um, Jack. And for what it's worth, it was it was the Outlaws Return, Pestilence, Old Friends and New Problems. They were the Abigail missions. We had By Sweat and Toil and a Continual Feast through Uncle. And then the Jack missions were John Marston and Son, Wolves, Dogs and Sons, Spare the Love, Spoil the Bandit, and The Last Enemy That Shall Be Destroyed. So those that I read those out in the order that the guide suggests you play them in. I don't know if you guys did or not, but that's basically three Abigail missions, two Uncle missions, and then four Jack missions. But I think from reading the Discord, it seems to be in the case that for for whatever reason, some of the missions are time specific, and not only are they time specific, but sometimes the character won't even at the appointed time the the character won't actually be in the location they need to be yeah. in. So there might be a bit yeah. of back and forth it doesn't matter much to be honest because i'm not going to go through these missions like we have done with the previous ones because they're not really story specific as such the whole the whole point of these missions it's largely busy work similar to what we did back on the the mcfarlane's ranch right back at the start of the game but i think what they really are there for is that they serve really to build and share the relationships between john and his family with the player and give us time to get to know them and to develop those relationships because yeah. like I say given that we are now literally on the final lap of this game we've spent next to or we've spent no time with his main reason for or for the events of this game having taken place so I think they sort of, they spend a bit of time trying to flesh that out now um, I, I think in some respects it's quite nice because they it, it gives you that kind of I, I felt it was quite poignant in places because we remembered we talked right back at the start with John at the McFarlane's ranch and he's absolutely adamant that whilst it's a nice life or it's a nice lifestyle that he could have there, he has got no interest in it whatsoever because it's all about him getting back to his family and ideally creating that world for for himself and for his family, which you've now having when you think about all the kind of different places we've been, what we've had to do to achieve that, um, all, the, all the the many, many people we've killed along the way, he has now, he's now got that life that we got a, an insight into, at least back on the back on the McFarlane's ranch. I, I guess the main one though really is, for you guys, do you think it, or how successful was it in convincing you of both their love for one another and in creating a sense of family did it achieve that or did you Mads um, for me I I actually there's a bit of cognitive dissonance in my head uh, regarding to these uh, these submissions because on one hand I loved what they were trying to do I mean building yep. the relationship with your family doing the daily chores uh, fetching cattle from Bonnie's farm and, and bringing it back and then building up that little farm that you had. Uh, so, so on one hand, I really loved that. That was a beautiful storytelling that they tried to do that. On the other hand, I, I found the writing kind of bad. I mean, I didn't like the relation to uh, to Abigail. I mean, it, it felt that there was yeah. no love there. It was They tried to make it funny with the, talking about her cooking all the time, and it didn't really ring true to me. I hated that he threatened Uncle on his life every single time he needed him to lift uh, <laughs> his leg and go over to the horse. And and worst of all, and I, I can't really figure out whether it's the writing or the acting, but I hated Jack. I mean, he was so annoying. Such an annoying character. 
I've never seen before. And I think, oh, well, wait, Kuno. Kuno is more and more annoying. But of <laughs> yeah, course, yeah, Kuno. Yeah, that, that is not a flattering comparison Kuno, either. It's, uh, so, so it's marginally hand, better than I wanted Kuno. to love those missions because I love what they were trying to do. And I did yeah. enjoy them because of that, actually. But it was it was against the acting or the writing that I enjoyed yeah. it. Uh, I don't know if you guys feel like that or it was, if it was just me, but there was something off there. Uh, but I, I still really enjoyed it because I know what it was trying to do. Yeah. Yes, and I think this would mean this is this is a point that we're going to make or I'm going to make repeatedly over the next hour or so was that, like what you were saying there after having spoken with Carl, is that for me what's become apparent with this game is it's not necessarily what it's what it's done it's more the sentiment behind what it's trying to do i think is what mm. has really or what did at the time really resonate with me and what still does having mm. played back through it again is that i like what it's trying to do but looking at it now with my 41 year old head on my shoulders you know family of my own all this sort of stuff that is very different to when i played it at, i think whatever i was whatever what would have been at that point 27 28 a very different stage of life definitely and so yeah i, I think you now realise that maybe because you didn't necessarily have a lot of experience of these situations, you now look at it and you think actually they kind of they're not particularly realistic portrayals of those relationships or those yeah. scenarios. But I liked, as you say, what they were trying to do and what they were trying to achieve with it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I enjoyed indeed. that section in hindsight after everything else that that came. Whilst yeah. I was play and whilst I was playing it, I was like, why am I doing this? Where where what's that, coming what's game. where is this going to go and i get that comes down to writing i suppose mm. what well, i'm interested jim and mads assuming that you hadn't had the ending spoiled for you no where i did hadn't you think no. of, where did you think you knew obviously you knew we're coming up to the end of the game mm. you knew it was the last section you knew it was a shortest section where did you think they were going with it I honestly had no idea because the ending. I was yeah. I was luckily. I I didn't have the ending spoiled for me at all. I had no idea where it was going to go. Yeah, which that's is good. why yeah. I was playing this this sort of this section, this, this epilogue section, thinking just what's where, where's this going? What's is it just going to be a sunset and then the credits or like yeah? Where's where's this going? Um, but then obviously in you, hindsight, Matt? you've got you you get the payoff for that with with hindsight. Yeah. So Did I haven't had it spoiled either, months? but I had a good idea what was going to happen. So I, I wasn't surprised with the the next mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, uh, yeah. Oh dear. Um, this is my least favorite section of the game by some comfortable distance. Really? Like, and I think it's worse for knowing what happens. Oh, okay. Because you kind of just want. The whole time, just just to get on with it. You want to get there. You know, you yeah. know what's coming. Yeah. You know, you know the end's really good. Yeah. Uh, so the whole thing just felt like you know, and I, I can see you're 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 right, man. You know, I can see what they're trying to do, but I think it's so inelegantly done here. Like, it's so unbelievable the conversations the characters have with one another, and that, you know. You you may you may say Mads particularly well you know that that's the game yep. uh, maybe but I think in this section oh, like I don't know it really didn't work like the dynamic between Abigail and John didn't work 
I found that because I was just doing the missions back to back, like, you know, you, you'd have a little narrative arc between John and Jack on a mission mm. where Jack would be really frosty and then something would happen and he'd, and he'd thaw a little bit. And then you'd go into the next mission and he's like, you've just gone straight into the yeah, next mission. Yeah. And he's immediately really cranky again when two minutes earlier he was fine. So that like made it feel really jarring as well. Yeah. But the, the thing I compared it to, and it, maybe an unfair comparison, but going back to The Last of Us, like The Last of Us 2, probably best in class for any video game narrative, in, in my opinion, certainly in the AAA space. And you think about this, the um, when Ellie and Dina ha- had that little spell at the ranch before Tommy turns up and convinces Ellie to go after Abby. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a similar thing that they were doing there. They were, they were giving us a slice of life as to what Ellie's life was like. And they were setting up the decision she had to make to go after. You know, and that had such a huge impact on all of us. And we spent ages talking about yeah. that. We all had different opinions. Like, this is this is that sort of 10 years earlier. You know, this is... It, they're trying to give you that same feeling, but they're absolutely hammering you over the head with, with all of this stuff to the point where it feels so forced. And then they're tacking on the gameplay, which... You know, at best is tedious because we've done it before. At worst, it's just downright annoying. And I think it's I think it's worse for the fact that we, kn- if you know what's to come, you kind of just like, oh come on, can we please just skip to the good stuff? Yeah. Uh, there, there are there is one exception, and the one bit that I did really like narrative before we get to the big showdown at the end was when was when Abigail and Bonnie confronted one another. Yeah, and like, yeah, I, like I that, thought yeah. that bit was really cool. The obvious kind of sexual tension between John and and Bonnie. Uh, I, f- I really Abigail. felt for Bonnie at the end. You know when they ride yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Like that bit was really yeah. well done because you know you kind of root for even though Abigail's really annoying. Actually, I don't think she's well written at all. But you kind of root for her circumstances. And clearly, John really loves Abigail. But he, I think he definitely held a candle for Bonnie as well. Mm. And like Abigail respects Bonnie for the fact she helped John, but she also is aware of John had a little bit of a thing for her as well. So, like, I thought that that conversation was really good. I then just kind of died a little bit of a death again when I had to ride all the way back to Beach's home. (laughs) And shoot some crows. So if I could Um, role-play it the way I wanted to, my my John would definitely have gone with Bonnie instead. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. send send Abby back to Abigail back to yeah. the farm with the green sacks of grain, and it's like I'm, I'm just sorry, I'm just two minutes along the road if you need me anyway. But I'm going to be yep. living out in this nice uh, this ranch house from now on. So, yeah. yeah, and I completely agree with Mads. I mean, I think I, I, I think everything is wrong with Jack. Everything. Mm. I think the acting, the writing, everything, the character design. The only thing that's right about Jack, not everything, the only thing that's right about it is, again, maybe a bit inelegant, but they're clearly setting him up as somebody who is potentially very unlike John. You know, he's, he's, he's bright, he's curious, he's bookish. Uh, he's ev- almost everything that John isn't. Yeah. And that makes what happens right at the very end of the game you know, quite heartbreaking in some ways, the yeah, fact that he's exactly. ended up like that when his future could have been so different. Mm. But again, I feel like it could have been done a lot a lot more subtle than well, what they did. I think there was an odd point where it was, and 
what I thought was the case where, I mean, all, clearly all of this is just trying to build this sense of contentment and this sense of we're finally here, we're now living the good life, all our problems are behind us. And in terms of the relationship between John and Jack particularly, I thought the the best scenes were the ones where the least was said. And there was a couple of points where even in its very limited motion capture technology, there was a couple of bits where John's undoubted love of Jack, which came across to me at least, really was conveyed best. Kind of, You'd get these almost looks of wonder from John to Jack where if he was reading his book or if he was explaining something to his dad, you could see... John almost drifting off a little bit and look, looking at Jack, but mm-hmm. almost thinking, how on earth did I produce a child like this from the point of view that, you know, he's, 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 he's very smart, he's articulate, he's a very gentle, at that point, you know, a very, a very gentle soul. And, and there's a couple of bits in the cutscenes where, like I say, they're having these conversations and there's actually nothing that's being said, but there's a couple of looks that, like I say, with a very limited motion capture, but I think was far more effective than what any of the dialogue was in the game. Definitely. Because I've played it it's back a couple of times. Yeah, all the, the the dialogue is it very much is, and and I think yeah. that's maybe where, you know, it was the case that maybe with the the te- you know again going back to the motion capture technology etc. When you think of how much that has moved on in in terms of the cutscenes, particularly with The Last of Us Two, compared to, you know, a cutscene in. In, yeah. um, in 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 this game is that you can probably you can do a lot more you don't, you don't have to necessarily spell it out quite so much you can be a bit more or you can be a lot more subtle about things just through through yeah. gestures facial expressions all this sort of stuff which maybe they didn't have the advantage of but yeah um, I did yeah. think if maybe we'd met them at the start of the game and it had shown them being taken hostage or or something like that then they didn't have, just so we we'd had a little bit of time with them then they didn't have to back end all of this quite as much maybe that might have worked I don't, don't know yeah yeah even if just yeah we'd sort of had an indication that they were a functioning family before yeah, they all yeah. got taken away or something and you could see right mm. that's obviously that's why he's fighting to get them back really is but anyways um, it serves its purpose this section if nothing else I think to to, to set the scene because Obviously, this illusion of this kind of this peaceful life is uh, is quickly shattered when we enter into the final mission, which is the last enemy that shall be destroyed. Which I guess for you, Mads and Jim, you wouldn't have necessarily known that this was the last mission, did you? Oh, you no. would have just gone to like the Jack cursor, and that would have yeah, been yeah. so. Yeah, mm, yeah. So with this one, I'll just kind of in a wee bit more detail because it's obviously quite pivotal to the game, but. So John will enter into the barn and he finds Jack Wood working away. And I thought this was one of the better scenes between John and Jack yeah, here. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And this is, I put in my notes here, they, they begin to me what felt like quite actually an authentic conversation. It felt a bit more natural. Yeah. And they cover a whole manner of subjects and the kind of any initial frostiness or resentment or bitterness between the two of them now seems to have properly thawed and they seem to have yeah. a, a sort of a properly functioning father-son relationship. And... It was quite interesting. I, I thought it was maybe a precursor of what's to come because um, John asks Jack if he's heard about these new flying machines that's that, yeah. that, that, that's been made by man. And yeah, this was one of the other points where Jack starts talking about it. He's, he says something like, almost like, oh, sure, pa, and like, goes on to tell him all about it. And you can see John almost, to my mind, maybe that I maybe I read a lot more into this game than what was ever actually on, on, on the screen. I don't know. But like, to me, I, it almost looks as though sort of John drifts off a little bit and to me, it was a the point where I think, and it's 
probably ties into what's about to happen. I think it's a point in the game where John realizes that the world has moved on from him, and I think he realizes that there are events and there are um, technologies and developments that w- that are coming and are already there. That you know him and his way of life is is well and truly a a, a thing of the past. Um, but whilst they are having their conversation, you get uh you just see it in the window outside the barn, Uncle appearing with his telescope, and they get a rather urgent shout from him, saying that he spotted some soldiers approaching on horseback. Um, it appears as though Marston he seems to he's obviously making some assumptions or having to think very quickly here, because it's probably for me one of the only times I think in the game where we maybe hear a real sense of urgency and almost bordering on panic in his voice when he obviously gets Jack and tells him to run off into the house. He tells Abigail to wait there as well. But again, I thought it was quite a nice, quite a poignant little moment. Jack runs off and John actually calls him back and gives him a hug, which is the, the the only point in the game that we've seen any sort of meaningful physical contact with that if you think about how uncomfortable he was just a couple of hours earlier having dropped off Harold McDougall at the uh, the train station (laughs) he's not not a man who's used to hugging it out that's for sure so I we should give some credit we should shout out the performance of John Marston here because yeah the uh, is it Rob Rob Weetoff Weetoff yeah Vinehoff who plays yeah, him Vinehoff, I, think, I yeah. think it's really really good I mean we've given we've given a bit of stick to to the voice actor and we've given some credit over the past few episodes for sure but I think it really is well played there and I think you're right I mean I think there's a there's a different tone and an edge to Marston's voice and he's genuinely scared and I think and you know we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this a bit more in a minute I think John immediately knows he's going to die I think that's I why agree. he calls back Jack yeah. and gives him a hug I think he knows his his numbers up yep. and I think the fact it was you know that conversation before was all about I think John just knows this is it this is my time is done you know and I think that's why he calls back. And knowing Andy, knowing what we knew about what was coming, it was actually it was really, really poignant playing this bit. Yeah. because you knew he was living his final moment. You yeah. always see like that that scene with Dutch, didn't you? Or oh, I like that. You know where Dutch is like, yeah, this is this is the end for us. You saw that in yeah, and he was John, right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly that. He foreshadowed what was about to happen to John. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, it's a very good point, Jim. Yeah. Exactly that. He says, you know, they will just find another monster and. That's this this week's monster is Marston. Johnny, yeah, the monster, yeah. yeah. So having sent them off into the house, we are Uncle and John now rush. We're basically now given control back at this point, and we uh, we have to rush into cover while we've got the what quickly becomes apparent the army approaching on horseback. And the again immediately apparent there's there's no intention of discussing matters here. They are they are firing as soon as they are, as soon as they arrive at the ranch. So it turns into a, quite a protracted gun battle. So during which we are effectively sort of defending the house as Marston prepares his family to make a run for it. But during the course of all of this, Uncle gets shot and it is wounded initially. And. There's a short lull in the fighting and Jack comes back out of the house to... Well, actually, so I think Jack was out with you the whole time, wasn't he? He was out in the porch with you the whole time, I think. Is he cowering on the porch, wasn't he? Yeah, hiding? they come across to check on Uncle, but he, he, he obviously dies. 
and it becomes apparent that there's going to be more on the way as well so they have to make a run down to the the barn where John's like John's plan is to get Abigail and Jack onto the horses and away from the ranch so it's another quite big fight as you kind of provide cover did you guys do all of this part first time or did you have any did you have any deaths along the way yeah, well, I died no. a few times when we were did taking you, on yeah. the army. Did yeah. you yeah. did you climb up the silo or did you stay on the no. ground? No, I I stayed on on uh, on the ground. Yeah, I climbed up on the silo. I didn't die here at all. It was okay. Well, I didn't quite die. Easy. Yeah, again, one of these scenes where it really kind of you you, yeah. you you need the momentum to keep going here. You want that sense of yeah. urgency. Mm. Um, yeah, but you know, like it, I think the other thing it does as well that's quite good is that you, you know you feel like you're winning. If you're not dying like Jim, if you, you know, you feel like you feel like you're winning, you know, you yeah. this is it feels like a regular mission, you know, you have mm. waves of enemies and you're taking them down, and it's like, okay, well, move on to the next. Now I'm in the barn, you feel like, okay, well, there's yeah. nothing unless you know, there's nothing yeah. to suggest that it's, yeah, you think I'm going to get them out, gonna, we're good, which actually yeah. also makes that that scene where you step out of the barn feel a bit strange because it feels as if I, I, there's this is more than I've handled before. Why should I just yeah, yeah. give up now? But we'll get to that. There's a reason for it. Yeah. So we get them into the barn. It now goes back to another cut scene where John is convincing them to ride off, saying that he'll deal with the problem and catch them up. Yeah. But as we know, this is his final words to his family. But to me, it was much more... This, this scene was far more... He's now very much, I think as we were saying, to me at least, his mind's made up at this point and he's now, this was, he's almost gone back to, there's there's not really, a, there's not a whole lot of warmth or tenderness in this scene, I think. It's, um, I think it's, I forget what it is that Abigail says to him, something like, um, I can't remember what it is she says. She says something like, like don't you go dying type thing. And uh, yeah. I, I forget exactly what her words were, but he, uh, he, he obviously slaps the horse and, sends them on their way and we then take control of John and we get this this scene where he walks up to the barn door and just very very cautiously opens it a peak and you can see that there's just wall to wall or certainly a good number you know a couple of dozen people waiting outside for him and we take control as he steps out and it enters into a quick time event or a dead eye event rather. Dead eye. Yeah. Yeah. and we which at the time that i first played it i wasn't sure whether i i thought i'd failed by being gunned yeah. down because we have got the standard dead eye window there's probably 20 21 people i think that is it's in front of you mm-hmm. i don't think you had the option at any i don't think you had the opportunity to select your weapon prior to going into that Dead no, eye. It wouldn't, it wouldn't want you to choose the one where you could potentially have enough shots to kill them all. Yeah. Would it? Yes. So, but <laughs> there's so I, I think there's there, there are too many enemies because people have tried. So I think whatever yeah, weapon yeah. you're using prior to this cutscene, I think is what you're ultimately holding at the point where oh, okay. you enter into the scene. But we are met with. You might have time to pick them out because it doesn't show them when he first opens the door, but agents at Fordham and Ross are amongst the crowd here although Agent Ross is tucked behind somebody so you can't actually paint him 
No, you've nope, got the option exactly. within the standard uh, deadline window. Me. I was scanning and seeing if I could, yeah, if I could at least take out Ross because I knew this was probably the end. So I wanted to to shoot that bastard. But uh, yeah. Oh, oh don't you yeah. just yeah. So by whatever means, you can either stand there and do nothing. You can paint as many of them as possible, whatever you want to do. But mm. you can hear the dead eye where it goes from that bit where it sort of cuts out all the sound and then you can hear the sound sort of rushing back into Going the world. Back, yeah, yeah. Whatever shots you've targeted will fire, but then obviously they all fire back on you. And it's a pretty gruesome death that he gets, to be honest. It's the mm. uh, he, He's probably got a good, you know, the best part of a dozen shots put into him, I think. And it's quite, uh, I, I thought it was quite a sort of a, quite a moving scene I think from yeah. where you can sort of hear him kind of you know you can hear his last gasps you can see him kind of struggle a little bit and eventually uh, John drops to his knees and we don't know whether he's dead or not at that point I think it's a fairly safe assumption to <laughs> to think that he would be but you know at this point you know bearing in mind the first time that I played this game I thought you know he's we haven't seen him dead so there, you know, it's given everything else that has happened in this game. It is not unrealistic to think that maybe there's some way that, you know, there's still a chance to save him. And particularly he just when needs to, needs to find this uh, Mexican mask, mate. He'll be that's okay. That's yeah. the answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but if that scene finishes with a sort of space satisfied looking Agent Ross lighting a cigar and, and walking off, and then we immediately cut to in game again with Jack and Abigail on the horse riding away, but obviously they've just heard the gunfire and Abigail is saying to Jack, look, we need to go back. So you turn around and run back to the ranch. And again, it's quite a poignant scene, I thought, where you come back on the road, there's all the bodies of the soldiers that are... Interesting enough, for reasons we'll discuss in a minute, I've replayed that mission on the three... Not my turn to lie. No, sorry, not on that one. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. But you ride back in, and so obviously the kind of the the ranch is littered with the bodies of the the army soldiers, and you ride back to the the dot for the final time, and they come across and find the body of of John and Abigail is obviously, I, I think, in comparison to Jack, is is you know she's inconsolable. Jack is definitely he's obviously just um, I would imagine it goes up. Yeah. And it then goes into the the final cinematic cutscene of the the, the main storyline, where it depicts it's John being buried in a grave overlooking Beecher's Hope, so just up on the hill behind the behind the barn. And then it finally cuts to three years later, which is in 1914, and it shows a now. Yes, Chris. Credits don't roll today. No. 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 Before the three years later. No. See, this is really weird. So, my recollection was... This that, is my recollection, point, Chris. Yep. The, the credits rolled. Yep. And I thought, I thought the credits rolled, and I thought Dead Man's Gun played at this point as well. That was my recollection yes. of it. Yeah. Which was far and more poignant. So I was listening to the Cane and Rinse episode on this, which is really good, by the way, from years and years. I think it's from, like, 2012. They're issue 18. They're on, like, 560-something now. So this is a really old one. It's about a year after it came out. And on that one, they were talking about how cool it was that the credits rolled and, and, and therefore, when you get control of Jack, which we'll talk about in a minute, feels very much like an epilogue because after the credits comes up three years later. 
I wonder why it seems to have been patched so that the credits don't roll. Maybe I wonder people if I've missed got a... Jack's mission. Yeah, maybe yeah, people exactly. didn't play it. Yeah, yeah, just switched it off. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, people just switched it off yeah. when the credits rolled. I reckon yeah, you're probably right. That's very important. I mean, that's uh, really what, what makes this ending, isn't it? Yeah. But I remember yeah, this but, the ending being far more impactful as a consequence because yeah, the credits yeah, rolled and I say Dead Man's Gun played at that point as well. And yeah. I remember finding that far more poignant. Regardless, so in this version, which is obviously now the accepted version, instead you get the track Bury Me Not on the Lone Prairie. Yeah. By which is really, really lovely as well. Had the credits Second rolled, Man's? I wouldn't have played on. Right, yeah. Because yeah. I would have thought, now I'm done, and seeing as this is Grand Theft Horse, they'll let me roam around and may have fun yeah, anyway, yeah, of like course. Yeah, like in any open world game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't, Surely you'd waited for that achievement to pop at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course, Jim, of course. <laughs> no, you're right. You, I mean, why, why would you? I mean, I, I must have known I, I must have known that there was something to be done as Jack mm. after, because I reckon I would have just switched off back in the day as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that would have been Weird. there sort of the, the shock moment um, just before we go into our discussion of it we just got a couple of listener clips that we'll listen to that really kind of feed into what we're going to say the first is from um, our good friend Aaron Moppin who has been contributing some incredibly insightful and uh, very regular posts over in our discord with his thoughts and things but he's also very kindly taking the time to send us in an audio clip as well so we'll put that uh, we'll play that and then he will be followed by the uh, another regular contributor to us and uh, a, a long-time friend of the show, uh, John V. So we'll listen to these two guys now and then we'll get back together afterwards. Hi, this is Aaron Maupin with some thoughts on Red Dead Redemption. I watched a friend play a few minutes of Undead Nightmare back when the DLC was released, but that was the extent of my experience with the game until this season of playthrough. I have played GTA 1, 2, and Vice City, and I really liked Vice City. So, I played Red Dead Redemption on the PS3, and as as an open-world western sandbox, it really is something else. Riding around the wide-open landscape is an experience that Rockstar really nailed. My only criticism of that aspect is, if you ask me, random events happen a little too often. Just let me ride in peace without bandits trying to trick me or a pack of coyotes nipping at my horse every few minutes. Unfortunately, the narrative really didn't grab me. I didn't find John Marston's situation particularly interesting, and it was hard to sympathize with him when every single supporting character strung him along with empty promise after empty promise. But a worse offender is the tone of the narrative. Rockstar has a style of exaggerating negative traits like vices or racism that takes characters over the top into crazy pants territory and it works at odds against any serious moments in the narrative like maybe someone's family being held hostage by unscrupulous lawmen as an example this might be the first playthrough game that i had to force myself to play but i don't want to be too hard on it because i did enjoy probably a third of the missions Any mission that found John facing off against a large group of enemies behind cover was quite fun. I played these missions like stealth missions, even though in the game, if enemies are aware of John, they always know where he is. I frequently had to listen to NPCs yelling at me to hurry up or get back on my horse, but I enjoyed these missions. I used only the repeater rifle, 
I did not set the game to auto-target enemies. Uh, I never bought ammo. I just looted every single corpse I could, sometimes failing a mission because I was lagging behind looting. By the way, what's up with how finicky the loot corpse prompt is? Alright, I have one more negative dimension. The game's pacing. It's just off. So. We start with a fairly decent sized set of introductory missions that act as a tutorial for the game's mechanics. We learn how to shoot, herd cattle, lasso horses, and people. Then we go to Mexico and have a long stretch of missions as we try to kill Bill Williamson. Then we're back in America in Blackwater for a short set of missions as we try to kill Dutch, who it seems is the real bad guy in our former gang. But the game spent so much time focusing on Bill. But then comes another short set of missions as we return to our family and work on the ranch for a while before facing off against a posse of lawmen. It just seems to me that Rockstar ran out of space on the disc, maybe? Why so much time spent on Bill? Okay, lastly, I enjoyed the Undead Nightmare DLC. I didn't finish it, but its tone was much more tongue-in-cheek and I laughed at quite a few lines. Uh, those are my thoughts. Big thanks to Andy for taking us through Red Dead Redemption, of course to the other hosts and everyone on Discord because without reading about people's progress or impressions, I would have given up on the game at uh, probably at the McFarland Ranch. Even though Red Dead Redemption didn't thrill me, I loved hearing from those that did. Um, waffles? Hi there, it's uh, John here, John V from the Discord group. And I've been revisiting Grand Theft Horse. I was slightly disappointed when Andy picked Red Dead Redemption in the Waffle episode. I've sunk many hours into this a few years ago. I slightly raised an eyebrow as Andy described how good the story was. But more on that later. Um, but I did look forward to trying out the Undead Nightmare DLC. So I fired up my PS3 and continued where I left it with the main story finished and the game about 90% complete. It still looked really good, and the highlight of the game is exploring the environment, listening to the music, and just seeing what you encounter. One of the things I quickly encountered were the controls. Ugh. Moving around is clunky, and collision detection for searching dead bodies really flaky. The combat? Left trigger, right trigger, left trigger, right trigger, and repeat. I don't remember it being quite this easy. Despite this, I continued with a few of the challenges, some games of poker and liar's dice, and then I found another mission for Jack Marston to do, who finally avenged his father's death, and I saw the credits roll on the game all these years later. The novelty of trying to get 100% completion soon wore off when I had to collect 10 pickled poppies or something, and then two of all the other herbs. So, on to Undead Nightmare. Thankfully, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's quite fun to see what has happened to all the characters you encounter in the game, and how are they surviving the Undead Apocalypse. Some of the new game modes are initially fun, saving towns from the Undead, clearing out graveyards, but they very quickly become repetitive. Thankfully, old favourites like treasure hunting are back. Despite the occasional bugs which left some of the missions unable to be finished, I did complete the main story. The biggest problem was the combat being just far too easy. 
At one point I was rewarded with a powerful weapon, but even in the final mission I didn't need that much firepower. It's been fun listening along to the podcast and hearing the different viewpoints on the game. I don't think the game's aged very well with regards to the story and controls. It's at its best when just roaming around enjoying the scenery for the first time and seeing what you will encounter. Perhaps views are impacted having recently played the superior Last of Us from a story point of view and Horizon Zero Dawn for great combat. Keep up the good work on the podcast. Looking forward to more Last of Us TV series coverage and of course the next Waffle episode. Well, again, thank you so much to both the listeners for taking the time to send in the clips and it would feed very nicely into what we're about to discuss. So this is this moment was probably one of the moments or it was the reason why I picked this game in the first place because I had a very, very vivid or what I thought was a very vivid recollection of, of this point of the game and it being really uh, so the, the, the impact that it had on me at the time. So I guess for... You, Jim, and Mads, what were your thoughts on this moment and what do you think worked or didn't work or things that you would have liked to have seen? So from where we see the army come in or after... The ending more than anything. I guess this final barn scene more than anything. I I loved it. Yeah, I I loved it. It was, uh, yeah, it was emotional. I thought it was... was it, this was like the well written. I, I felt like you, you felt for the characters, um, and yeah, it felt like a, a good payoff, not a satisfying payoff. I mean, it, well, in the end, when, when obviously the next bit that comes along, but you know, you, you're treated to like Ross or Smug, and you're like, oh, no. I'm glad. I was so glad it, it didn't finish like that. <laughs> did you yeah, Did that- you shoot Archer Fordham in the Dead Eye event? So I, so what did I do? I, <laughs> I wasn't leaving any of them. Um, in fact, we'll, I'll come on to that after. I'll come on. Yeah. To that so after. this is just in the so, initial yeah, event. So you just can, the bit you can that kill we, Archer there. I, I, I panicked basically. Yeah. I, yeah. That was my yeah, recollection of it I from panicked, the first time I played it. And I, yeah, I just clicked as as many as I could and. And used up used up my rounds. I yeah, I panicked. I yeah, yeah. Like, I yeah, remember. I, I really struggled with the moment on the with that moment on the first time that I played it, where I, to the extent I reloaded a previous save because I thought I've got I've got to at least take out more of them. Is that even if I can't take out all of them, I, I wasn't satisfied with the number that I had taken out. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just that. Just from that moment, you peek through the door and the realization, and then yeah, then suddenly you're out there and you oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I panicked. <laughs> massively yeah but I, I I loved it at times like when we've been down on this game because of the writing and, and everything else this this was brilliant really really good yeah and it's been for a me kinda, anyway, I, I enjoyed it yeah and it's been a very I guess divisive topic within our discussions and then on Discord as well where do you stand on what was going through Marston's head at this point like we said earlier really he's I think it's that realization, isn't it? We all the way through this section, we keep hearing him and Abigail referring to sort of being able to escape the past. Can can you really sort of escape the past? Can you start again? And then you get that the realization or his realization that you can't. This is 
this is you can't if he goes somewhere else it will just catch him up again yeah and yeah so for 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 your money on that 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 point of him stepping outside the barn was was it him not necessarily giving up but was it him giving himself up to them do you think yeah i i didn't see it i know um, it was mentioned on discord wasn't it about whether you see it as him giving himself up, I didn't see it like that at all. Um, I, I hmm. saw it as he was he was going out and confronting him and taking him on. He knew his time was up, but he was going to go out. He's going to go yeah. out fighting. He'd accepted his, his terms. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, it was definitely him giving up because it was him committing suicide. But he wasn't going to do it without getting as many of them as he could before he was going down. Yeah, and I think that's the difference. Is that yeah. I think he knew he was a dead yeah. man, but yeah. it's it's all about kind of how you how you meet that death isn't it uh, yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah but it was quite clear to me as soon as he sent away abigail and jack that okay this is the moment where he's giving up he's not going to fight anymore so as walking out of that barn door i tried to kill as many as i could i only had the the the, the regular gun so i could attack six people of yep. course i i did that i i'm pretty sure i got four of them but uh, i was looking for ross and i couldn't uh, couldn't pin him so uh, that annoyed me a bit yeah, for me, he was he was sacrificing himself again to save Abigail and Jack because he thought they're way safe now. If if I die now, then probably they won't go after Abigail and Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was really impactful. On. I liked I liked the ending. I enjoyed uh, the bit with Jack even more, but uh, because it just completed the whole circle of vengeance and, and violence here yeah and yeah, yeah. and I, I guess for you yeah, chris that, where this was obviously revisiting it um how's it aged yeah it i i remembered that moment of him stepping out the barn you know even though it had been a good 10 11 years since i'd last played it remember it very vividly i think like you andy back in playing this back in 2010 2011 it had a massive impact on me, and to be honest, I think you know, even though we've we, you know we've snickered a little bit at the narrative and we've criticised it and we've praised it, and I, it can't. I'm, I don't want to morph into my conclusions, but it it can't be understated what an impact this game had. I think on on especially narratives in the AAA space. You know, it's there's elements that haven't aged well for sure, and maybe the end of it hasn't aged brilliantly either, but. It, it was huge, this. I mean, to see a game like the, in this kind of filmic way, to see a, you know, a main character that you'd spent 30, 40 hours with dying this way, you know, I remember, you know, I was in floods of tears the first time yeah, I, I played it. Uh, it not as impactful this time, partly because I knew it was coming, yeah. um, but also partly because yeah, I, I think given what we've seen elsewhere in games that even that we've played, I think... You know, video games have moved on uh, in this sense um, so much in the past 11, 12 years in the way stories are told. And I think, it, so it never really kind of hits those highs for me. Although I still think it's, I still think it's really well done and yeah. really well directed. I, d- yeah. I, d- I didn't, I didn't come away from that thinking, oh, this would have been done better now. I think the setup, I think, I think all the setup of it, yeah, for me would have been better. I think yeah. the moment of yeah. his the moment of his execution, I think is I think it's yeah, I think it's still really well done. I think yeah. it's 
you know, I'm not sure I'd change anything if I was redoing this thing. And I think Mads is spot on. I think, I think he goes willingly to his death. I think he knows he's going to die. I think he knows he's going to die from the moment he sees the army riding up. Yeah, it's interesting the dialogue that he, what he says to Abigail when he's, uh, I've got, to, I've just got the, the script up here, uh, and he says, um, "I'll catch up. You keep riding and don't look back and don't be worrying about me. You're here now. Get going." And then they say, "I love you." So, I mean, he knows. I mean, he's sending them off, and he knows. And I think he's right. You know, he knows that if he if he goes, if he accepts the fact that this is his time, he'll take as many of them out. But then he hopes that this will be the end of it for his family. So. You know, the game is a lot of it is about John's sacrifice, I think, and this is the ultimate sacrifice. And I think it's, you know, in some ways, it's the end he deserves because he deserves that going down like the gunslinger. Oh, it's he the gunslinger's death. Yep, exactly that. You know, he didn't. He doesn't deserve to die by falling off a janky horse off a cliff, does he? You know, he <laughs> cut he himself deserves, on a piece of farm machinery and getting to he, he deserves this grand execution. And maybe he also deserves it for the fact that he's been a the biggest mass murderer since Alexander the Great. Well, you know, maybe he <laughs> maybe he deserves. Well, yeah, and in all seriousness, maybe you know, for his part in what he did when he ran with Dutch's gang, maybe well, he de- maybe he does deserve to get to get his justice. It does, and I, I think that's exactly it, Chris, because it's also it depends on how I guess how how deeply you want to read into the this game and otherwise and there'll be apparently people who think there there's there's not much depth to it or much to read into it but it, there's just some quite interesting discussion points obviously there is the we talked about this on the previous episode with the the stranger mission the one called i know you yeah that had the three parts to it and the third part of which is when you meet him up on the hillside behind beecher's hope and he says to you this is a fine spot and mm. at that point, you assume he's referring to having his ranch there, but they're actually yeah. stood at the site where Marston's grave yeah, will ultimately exactly. be. Yep. And you think, is that is he re- is he referring to the fact that this this is basically he's telling John that this is where you will ultimately this is where you're going to meet your death, and John has I already think he is. Yep. and John has it, already the stranger made is the stranger character is the devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's there's lots the of theories about yeah. as to who he is, yeah. but. My, for my money, that character is the devil, and mm-hmm. you've met him on those couple of previous occasions where he, with very little guidance, but ultimately gives, he makes, or asks John to make some moral choices. Um, there's the one about yep. whether or not you have to, you can either rob the nuns or you can give them the money or you yes, can go and, that's right, yeah, you yeah, can go yeah, and yeah. save the man from having an affair or you can just let him do it. And he mm. gives no really indication as to what he wants you to do, but there is this uh, the, 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 there's this theory that obviously the, the devil is there to tempt John, and he's basically there to to give him these moral dilemmas and see and basically see whether or not he's 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 moved on from his ways of what, when he was in the gang previously, or whether he is just still, you know, whether he's ultimately a bad soul or not. Um, mm. And then there's obviously there's all the references to where he says that you know he's known by many names, all this sort of stuff. And yeah. I I just think it's quite, and also the um, the three missions that unlocks each of the meetings with them. There's one called a tempest looms. There's one called we shall be together in paradise. And then the final one is an appointed time. And they're the three missions that unlock 
your meetings with this um these with with the with the stranger um yeah i, would, I just thought it yeah go i was ahead. just gonna say would you have liked a little bit of acknowledgement or feedback on the choices that you made from that or do you think it works yes. better without that because like i gave the, the the nunnery i gave them the money i didn't yeah keep them you know yep. and the other one i think i stopped stopped the affair from happening i yeah yeah, I was just thinking see that outside, if they actually let it have some impact, that would have made a huge yeah. difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, it'd been a line along the lines of something. You know, you can well, you can, you know, you can, you're at peace or something. So you know, it's some sort mm. of acknowledgement that yeah. you know that that yeah. the recognition that he has at least attempted yeah. to change his ways and has moved on from his his former life, and he's he's not all bad. Um, yeah. Would yeah, have made that scene that carry a good. bit more weight, but it was just quite interesting. Again, is it you mentioned? I think it was right back in episode one, Chris, and it's kind of stuck with me since. Where you you referred to Marston as the storm, and it very much is kind of how uh, kind of I view him and how I kind of think it, he's represented within the game is that he is the he is this this dark cloud that ultimately you know blows himself out and you know pass yeah. passes like like all storms pass through it's um yeah there are very sort of transient presence in the world and you know I, I think that's that's what he is as well you know ultimately can be devastating while they're there and then once they move on then you know they very much kind of um and I, again it's just it, it comes into the lyrics at, at, at the end of it but um we can kind of we can, we can cover that in in a, in a minute really but I, I think on the whole I, I don't disagree with the fact that I, I think the the impact's been diminished somewhat I think if only because the, the the moment now feels a little bit lightweight by today's standards I think if it was the case that um what what we've seen and we've referenced it so many times but with good reason because like I say that's the gold standard that we're holding it to but if you think about the big moments in the last of us last of us two particularly yeah. and then compared to this i i think perhaps if you were to rewrite this scene or to remake this scene now i i do maintain that if you could effectively wipe your memory of of, of knowing what what ultimately happens and and rewrite this in by sort of or have it in today's in one of today's cut scenes i i think it, it could be it could be an incredibly powerful moment but I, I still think for when it was made and when it was written, I think it does a very good job of, 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 of getting the, uh, the effect of that scene across. Yeah. Not I'm many sure people would have changed it. anything. I, I don't think I can f- find a flaw. Mm, I, I think maybe from like a cinematic perspective, I, I think definitely you, I think you'd maybe prolong, I was just thinking about it. I've played it through about three or four times since. And mm. I think you'd maybe prolong it slightly kind of the, the point from him, stepping or opening the barn and stepping outside and maybe just a bit more of a pause or um post no, I, it as well. I liked I liked yeah, the I, brevity of that actually. That was yeah, so totally yeah. in the narrative there. This is the and end the, br- and the brutality just, of it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Their aim is just to kill this guy. They wouldn't want to drag it out. Yeah, anymore. and they wouldn't want to let him have some, you know, corny kind of impassioned speech, no. I think. Oh, definitely uh, not. No, yeah. no, no. I think maybe just... I, I think maybe I, I would like to see that scene redone in today's technology, basically, I think is what I'm saying, is mm. that it would be... I think it just... I think it just look... I think, that, you know, obviously, if it was done... If it was done in a 2023 Red Dead Redemption remake, I think it would... Obviously, everything would just look a little bit nicer, which would add to the cinematic effect. But, you know, in terms of the writing, the direction, you know, I... From the moment he sends them away on the horse, yeah. from and including that bit, 
Yeah, I think I do. I think I'm, I'm with Mads. You know, I think it's. I think it's absolutely spot on. Yeah, I mean, it's what I said. I said that, and it's true of, and it's my view of the game in general is that you know the sentiment is definitely there, and that's really what kind of what what carries these moments within the game. Um, but yeah, I, I just remember it being a really kind of. It's one of my real standout gaming memories, and it was it was really really nice revisiting that, and I have done multiple times. I've because I knew that was coming, I made a save file just beforehand, and then yeah. um, I would just basically replay it each time as well. Because unfortunately, if you replay, because I've, I've done it both ways, if you replay the mission off the missions list, you seem to have a far more basic fit out of guns, ammo, all your provisions. You don't, you don't carry that. That's not available in your. If you just replay a mission, it doesn't. Okay. Yeah, you don't have what what you would have had at that point. So you need, you actually need a save file for that to. To have yeah, access to all your equipment. Um, so yeah, I jump on Andy. You mentioned yeah, yeah. the you mentioned the remake, like a possible like if they were to remake that scene in a remake. And mm. we spoke about like remake remaking the game previously. I was thinking about it after after finishing the main game. Do you think? Do you think they could remake this? Because I was I don't know how how they could now. Not because of the stuff we've talked I think if they were to remake this game it'd be so different yeah I I don't think you'd be and I'm not talking about like some of the characters that you meet or anything like that I just think it'd be written totally different I just think that the story and flushing flushing out the characters you would would want to make some quite big changes to it from the point of view of it in terms of its pacing you would probably we talked about this i think it was maybe one of the discussions in the discord group as well as it you would want to maybe cut out or, or actually i think it's one of our list of comments that's just coming up in fact is that you would probably want to cut out a lot of the stuff and there's a lot of the stuff in game that could be covered in cut scenes far more succinctly and mm. far better than what it is by trying to play the game and listen to a fairly important part of the conversation at the same time yeah. so yeah it would have yeah. it would have a very very different feel so i don't yeah, yeah i almost it's probably, feel it's probably like... why they haven't I, I assume it's probably well there's many reasons why they haven't done it. I almost feel like the only thing it'd have in common with the original would be the name. Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, I I absolutely think they could remake this, and I, yeah, we we know what we're like with remakes. To what remakes a little bit like? Oh, I mean, I'd go for it again. I'd go for it again if you give me more uh, fleshed out character. I'd, I'd love to see this game remade. I would love to see this game remade, and I think. I think they could make an all-time classic if they remade this game because I, I fully stand by that this is a great story. Yeah. Occasionally, not very well told. Yeah. Uh, and I think if they worked on some of those, you know, the some of the characters that we've talked about, restructured the whole Mexico section, possibly even abandoned the Mexico section, it's an extreme line. Yeah, fleshed out a, the beginning and the end of the game. Said it would be a completely different game. That was his point. If you start restructuring that, if you take away some of the more um, abhorrent stuff it, and, and make the new missions and try to flesh out the story in another way, but that's what it would I'd be like, a completely different game. It would be The Last of Us and that's, Cowboys. That's what I'd like so. to see. I'd like to see a remake, not a remaster. I would yeah. like to see a complete from the ground up Yeah, see, that remake. would make sense. And I'd because, be because it's, similar, it's yeah. such a good world, you know, it's such a good environment that, mm. you know, they could... It's such a good story, yeah. Marston's mm. story. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it is, classic yeah. tragedy, Western tragedy. Yeah. 
So you know, told, it could be told so much better, and and that could be done in a remake, definitely. You know, similar to what they did with Final Fantasy VII remake. You know, a completely yep. new game yep. from the ground up, mm. but you know, maintaining the guts of the story, but strip. You know, I would do. In fact, they could do away with Mexico. Or they could completely, completely change Mexico. But the beginning, the end. I would, you know, I think that would that would stay for me anyway, pretty close to the story. Yeah, I think they could make it so. Much oh better. yeah, like a, a horizon-sized map or something. I mean, it could be phenomenal. <laughs> It'd be amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, I've not played Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption Two, but no. from looking at what um, Scott Lamont said on Discord, Essel Thirty Seven said on Discord today, you know, about how they lean more into the open world and less and lean away from the story. You know, I feel like what they've tried to do with this game is they've they've tried to make a cinematic, you know, uncharted style, Last of Us style narrative in a in an open world. And you know, as we've said before many times, those two worlds don't often make natural bedfellows, you know, because the pacing suffers and yeah, a lot of the gameplay stuff take away from the narrative. So Maybe having less focus, ironically, having a bit less focus on the story, would actually serve the narrative better. I'm de- I'm really interested to see how they approach Red Dead Redemption Two and whether you could take the Red Dead Redemption Two engine and structure, yeah, and use that to remake Red Dead Redemption. I I find Red Dead Redemption Two overwhelming in places in a way that I never ever got that with the first. In terms of there was just. There's too much of our world to go and disappear into, and mm. I think the game was, my opinion of it was the the, the game was worse for it. There was, there was even more to get in the way of the story than what there was in the first game, mm. and I enjoyed that less. I would like a really well told story in this in this world. It doesn't even need to have the gameplay mechanics or anything. It's just I I would I I just love the the setting, the environment, the time period, everything about it is is just ticks all my boxes so if they were were to you know anything set in this time period would be would be right on my street yeah yeah but you know a very memorable moment however there's more to come because having completed what we assume at that point i'm convinced chris that you're you and i are right that you know that was the end of the game back back if you played it the first time around it'll be interesting everybody else played it maybe if you're in the discord group and you played at the time drop it a note in yeah. and let us know what you think because that is very much how i remember it but completing the final mission story it unlocks one final stranger mission and it's interesting that it comes up as a stranger mission rather than as a a main story one which is called remember my and family it, it, it also doesn't show up well, until you actually get to blackwater well that's what i was about to say and is mm-hmm. it i it's not immediately apparent and i really like this because it adds that sense of desperation of yeah. wanting to find the person that's responsible or initially even finding out if you can do anything about the events that have just happened. You have to look um, I, think if you, I guess you would largely at least I naturally wanted to go down to Blackwater as the first thing because yeah, I yeah, expected Jack's body and I thought I'm going to go down and shoot Agent, Agent Russ now. So yeah. I headed I straight for that police uh, department. Yeah, yep, or the yep. federal federal department. Yeah, but it, you can't yeah. obviously go back 
behind the cat you could you can't it's all gated off isn't it the shutters are down and everything and but by that point your stranger mission will have triggered yeah. so it's kind of jumped on yeah. you're in the right yeah. area but i did on. like the yeah. fact that it didn't immediately say right to Blackwater. it was the case yeah, that exactly. you thought exactly. wait one second you can't just give me control of this person and not give me any direction as to where i need to go what i need to do and i can say i'm sure 99 percent of the the players will arrive at the same conclusion and think Blackwater and I'll go and get Ross but I, I just like the fact that it did for those brief few seconds until you get there just draw it out that little bit and you know they re-recorded all the dialogue for all the stranger missions because it is possible that you could have got to this point without doing any of the stranger missions that's true enough and yeah so the, 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 okay. the I know you one the, the one that we've just referenced is the only one that you can't do as Jack all the others oh, okay so that's the, okay so you can't do that but I mean it would have been weird because I don't think they rescripted any of the stranger missions so you'd still have the same which I think would make it a bit weird mm. but yeah they they re-recorded he re-recorded all the dialogue the after that played Jack it would have been quite cool weird, if, uh, as Jack to have mm. gone and done the um, Daedalus and Sun mission, the one where the guy was learning to fly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jack exactly. could have watched him. Jack could have watched him spear off the cliff into the into the ravine, <laughs> having just. Well, that's one that I did never finish because I couldn't find any bloody beavers. <laughs> it was not a successful first flight. Uh, okay. Yeah, he he floats about a hundred feet out into the canyon and then just goes nose down. Unfortunately, and John's just sort of left there looking very uncomfortable and shuffles off. <laughs> it's uh... <laughs> um. So we're now obviously playing as Jack, and a few years older. I think we basically, I think I'm right in saying we've effectively carried over all of John's equipment, everything. But so for all intents and purposes, it's just a different character model and a couple of different um. He's got some different uh, voice clips, etc. But we, in terms of our equipment or all that sort of stuff, we were we're basically where we left off when we when we were playing as John. Having made our way to Blackwater, we end up in a conversation with a federal agent, and he reveals that Agent Ross is now retired and living with, with his wife down by um, Lake Don Julio. So we set off on our horse, and again, I quite like the fact. I don't think there was the option to do any of this by fast travel, was there? I think you had to. I think you had to ride. There, I, I don't know. I, I didn't even try. I think I'm right in saying that. I think all the stagecoaches have gone at this point. I think it's basically to 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 prolong the ride down there so that you have you to. You could use a campsite, though. No, I mean I didn't try, but presumably you could use a campsite. You could, but you wouldn't be able to travel to Lake Don Julio. Um, you'd just be able you to. You could just set your waypoint, and you can travel uh, to waypoint. Oh, that's very true. Campsite. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I basically, I, I quite like the fact that it, it seemed to be funneling you towards yeah. getting on your horse and, and riding there and I quite like the fact that there was a wee bit of time to think about you so again as we've said multiple times we, we, we role play these characters and I'm thinking to myself right if I'm Jack and I'm riding my way down there and I'm expecting to find him at his cabin what am I going to do when I get there all this sort of stuff and you think through what would be going through his head at that point and uh, to be fair, it was yeah. a, it was a fa- it was a fairly short decision process on the ride down yeah. there. But uh, I uh, I went and changed into a pirate, as Mads called it. Put <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah, my really assassin good. outfit out on. Mm. So when we arrive there at his little, he's got a little cabin on the lake. We uh, we find his wife sat out in the porch, and she explains that he's actually gone on a hunting trip to the south side of the San Luis River. So we set off again. Obviously, she's. You know, you could argue that um, you know she's obviously completely innocent. She's got nothing to do with it whatsoever. So you would obviously leave her in peace and 
just right away. <laughs> Wouldn't you, Jim? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. No. I almost <laughs> did. I got back on my horse. <laughs> and? And then, and then uh, yeah, got, probably got off my horse, got stuck on the scenery. And then that, went, video, that video summed up everything. It's, it summed up Red Dead Redemption in about a 45 second clip. <laughs> you got on your horse, you got off the horse, you then got stuck behind the table, yeah. you got stuck on something else, <laughs> and then you just gunned down an innocent and go blow. Yeah, at the bottom of the steps, old, old Lady Ross was uh, a loose end, and all loose ends needed tying up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. old, old Lady Ross had a severe case of uh, lead poisoning in my my case as well, but I didn't. I was way worse than Jim because as soon as she was done talking, I, I shot her once in the head <laughs> and I left. Well, that, that's at least the more that's at least the cooler way to do it, yeah. rather than going to ride off and thinking, oh yeah. No, actually, I'll need <laughs> to go back and kill that seventy-year-old woman. She was, yeah, she, she was egging me on when I got back there because I think she kept saying something like, "What, what do you want?" or something. <laughs> she left you. Really careful what I say to you in future. Yeah, she left you with no <laughs> choice, basically. I left the poor old deer alive, and I'm, I'm better for it. See, I was roleplaying this, and I thought there's there's actually only one man that I'm after here because I'd taken out um, Archer Fordham in the Dead Eye event, so he's dead. Yeah, and so it was really him and Ross are the ones that I held responsible. But my only regret was that I couldn't go straight to Ross and then tell him what I was going to do to the rest of his family. <laughs> you, I wonder. I see. I wonder if you could. Um, you could probably lasso his wife on the horseback and drag her the oh, whole way down to it. drag her the whole oh, way down to the campsite. Yeah. <laughs> And make her watch. Yeah. Mm. Well, she'd be. Yeah, I think she. I, th- I think they do actually die after a while. The character once you've dragged them for a certain distance, they do die. But you could like. <laughs> you could leave at least for on the horse, mate. <laughs> oh, no, I'm talking about dragging her behind it. If you if you if you if you lose, if you lose somebody while you're on horseback, you, you can drag yeah, them along yeah. behind you. So mm. you could drag her the whole way down to Mexico. Yeah. Just <laughs> something for a future play. <laughs> um. Anyway, I didn't do that because I'm not psychopathic, Jim. So we <laughs> arrived down to... We find out that, like I say, they're down on the San Luis River. So we get to cross back into Mexico. We head for the Rio del Toro, and then we find Ross's brother, Philip, there by the campfire. And he gives us a wee bit of information uh-huh. that uh, he says that Edgar's a little bit further downstream hunting ducks. But he, I, I think... Did you guys get any kind of indication that he was maybe... That he knew what Jack was there for or do you think that he was just completely dis- no. disinterested they didn't I, I guess there didn't seem to be a huge amount of they didn't have, seem to have a particularly warm relationship between um edgar and philip ross he was kind of he's just obviously he's kind of like always oh, yeah he's just down the river he's, type yeah thing. He just, just says like, what well, he's got a bad temper so whatever the message is sort of be careful or something that's exactly what it was yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, i think of a guy came up to me packing a load of heat dressed as a pirate and asked where my brother was probably <laughs> point him in the wrong direction yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah the fact yeah, he tells well. you right where he is maybe he tells you something so he tells you that he's down there so you ride on down there and as oh, you no, do no, so no. first first you shoot the brother oh he's he's gone too is he He's gone too. He's gone too. Oh, okay, fair enough. Okay. Two, two, took me two bullets to take him out because for some reason I shot him point blank and it glitched. He's a regular. And missed and missed. So he turned and ran and I shot him in the back. 
Yeah, the Cohen. You are the regular hero, you do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, so that's one less Ross to worry about. Okay, so two, yep. two, two out of three now, basically. We'd ride a little bit further along, and as we approach, I thought it was quite good because he, you, you heard he was hunting ducks, and as you arrive, you can actually, he eventually pops up on the radar, but you can hear him shooting at the ducks as you ride down the hill, and he is there on the river. And they enter into a brief conversation, but Jack very quickly spills out, or spells out rather, to Edgar Ross who he is and why he's there. And it basically has to. I don't know if you, anybody tried anything else. If you, if you do anything other than enter in a duel with him, because I tried on subsequent games, I've reloaded the safe and I've shot him with an explosive rifle, etc. And you just, uh, you just fail the mission. It says that that is now no longer available. So, in order to complete it, you do have to enter into the duel. And. Obviously, that is effectively the last action of of the game. So one last duel, which I don't know if you guys did. You manage to succeed? Did you succeed in taking him out on the first occasion? Yeah. Yep. Which I think is another reason why this works so well for for me because it yeah it just flowed in one yeah in one one go. Yeah. I don't think you can lose a duel, duel, Chris. It's it's almost impossible. Like, did you guys not find it weird that they had a duel by the side of the river in 1920? No, it was... Uh, 1914. In character. It, it 19, was how this well, game was supposed to end, wasn't it? Jack was now 19, his father. It can't be and, 1914 and, at this point, Andy. Yeah. Was the, the game is set in 1914, isn't it? 1911. Hmm. So it was only three years after John died. He's been on the yep. growth. He's, he's he's been on the human growth hormones, has our Jack. <laughs> I mean, because Jack must only be about sixteen then, mustn't he? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, sixteen, seventeen. He's a big sixteen-year-old. Yeah, yeah. And at least it explains how whiny he sounds. <laughs> but I mean, this even still, like, I I've, I've okay. So I'll go first here and tell you what I think. So I like the fact that you could go and do this. I like the way they did it. I like the way they made it optional. I like the way you had to go and look for it. I like the way you had to work for it, and there was a bit of friction there. I, I really did. I think that was really good. Rather than just making it a mandatory mission at the end of the game, Like I really liked the fact that they left this optional for the players to decide whether or not they wanted to do it. I think that was really, really well done. And actually, I think the fact, yeah, and I really wanted to go and get revenge on Ross, so that was really cool. Like, why? Why would Jack? Why not just shoot him for the start? So these are the these are little things. So why would Jack just not walk up to him and shoot him? And when Ross realizes who he is and what Jack's about to do, why wouldn't Ross just shoot him yeah. rather than say, "All right, lad, this is it." You know, which the world wars on and everything. Dick, while we're standing on top, of, let's have a good old-fashioned duel at the side of a river. It just is. Stupid! Like it makes no sense whatsoever. Why would they have a duel? It never did. It's just it's the yeah. rule of westerns, just isn't it? We we do this spaghetti western here, so yeah, of course they need it. to do a duel. Man to man. That's ridiculous. Like, it, <laughs> nah. I mean, for, for me, the game tells a serious story. I mean, it is a pastiche of, uh, of westerns, as I said. But you know, yeah. it's not like Undead Nightmare, which is a parody of westerns. This is, you know, necessarily. It's baffling, like, why couldn't you just walk up and shoot him? Like, it would have been, that's what should have happened, right? 
Yeah, I, yeah, I, I maybe. Disagree. This fit, fits perfectly into uh, into the game as such and into the whole pastiche on uh, on a spaghetti western. So of course it had to end like that. And it also means that <laughs> so, he is now his father, and he's well. That, I think that's that, the reason for that, it. Yeah, he it's almost like the, want to be to become. He's now become. It's like the passing of the is torch. Not a cowboy. And, why would he? Why would Ross duel him? Because those are the rules of westerns. I don't know what I'm what I'm supposed to say to make you understand. <laughs> I think I, I think probably Ross. Yeah, maybe true. Ross thinks that you know he's just a, a stupid little kid, and you know it's a it's a, it's an easy win for him. Plus, he'd want to confront well, him, he wouldn't he? He'd want to confront him and and say something yeah. to him before he before mm. he put him down. And so, I suppose the. the the logical thing to do would be to sell it the old way, and and that's nonsense. I don't get it. Sorry, I'm just not having it. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not buying Fair what enough. you're selling. <laughs> yeah, there's maybe an element of I maybe again the fact that you know there was never any. He, he he didn't actually he he didn't kill Marston. It was he was he stood behind twenty guys whilst they shot Marston. Maybe he wants he wants some closure on that as well. He wants to he wants to take out the Marston line and he wants. So why not just take him out? Why why say ten paces then, son? Come on. I think he wants to feel like he's beating him like a man. I think he wants a a man to man showdown. I'm just throwing things at you here in the no, hope that one of them why sticks. Why are you having any duels at all then, mate? I mean, duels are stupid. Well, they, they are stupid, the, but the mere idea of having the, a duel is brainless. There's honour among thieves, right? And, and if it was 1854 and it's two cowboys in the old saloon, like, I get it. Yeah, I do the rules of westerns and I get it. And that stuff used to happen. They used to have duels and I can accept that. But, yeah, as I've said, yeah. I just, it, I I just found it hilarious that like it was like it was a, I couldn't I didn't remember it as a duel, and when it kind of you went into that little duel showdown, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> I ended up putting about five rounds into his face. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right old mess. I've got a very nice video of he got he got seven shots. He got the gun shot out of his hand, his hat shot off his head, and then five in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see his hat you see his hat sort of float off a little bit if you look don't you yeah well I think it depends on how close yeah I think it does depend how he ultimately rolls in because apparently you can loot him for $400 but he, oh, okay. I think his, his body ended up in the river when I killed him so I couldn't loot him unfortunately yeah <laughs> and it's very yeah. sad that it comes to this for Jack though isn't it? as we said earlier you know his life yep. would have been very different and this is him Going right down off the rails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's whether or not that ultimately leads to anything beyond that. You never know. It's. Uh, I guess. I mean, he has killed a wife and a brother in some Except cases. He's a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was just. A, he was a. He only. He only murdered the person, or he only killed the person who murdered his father. In my world, so mm, that was just okay. some some justice. I think some Western justice rather than. He's not. He's not. A, but uh, so there we have this it. Was a great, great end to the story. I yeah, think. and it so, then yeah. leads into the credits, which then plays the song that I thought played at the end of the game. But one of my not just 
favorite pieces of gaming music one of my favorite pieces of music full stop i think it's a fantastic song um yeah a song called dead man's gun by uh, a band called ashtar command that i think i've done from having done a little bit of wikipedia research i've not in the, in the grand scheme of things i've not done a huge amount of kind of commercial stuff beyond this but i think it's uh i would definitely like if you get a chance have a look at the lyrics for the song i i think it is such a well-written song for both for the character and for the game it's really really good was it written for the game andy i believe so yeah yeah mm. i think it was and it's, as if it, it fit right in at least yeah it did, yeah, it did. Well, so, yeah. yeah and if you look at the lyrics it's very interesting i mean you could i think you can read it one of two ways you can either read it He's either talking about the lyrics are either referencing John's family or they're referencing the um, so the, the the federal government, depending on which way you want to take it and whether or not, like I say, whether it's a case of John not wanting to take what the federal government are trying to give him or whether he doesn't want to take what he what what life his family are going to give him. Whether he, like I say, he can see that that his kind of the way of the cowboy is is is, is dead, and he he kind of yeah. you know he 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 doesn't want he doesn't want the life that's waiting for him, and wants one kind of final one sort of final act as as a cowboy. Very very good song, lovely song. Um, yeah. There's a really nice version of actually I might drop into our Discord that I think Rockstar themselves released it, and it was a it was a live recording of this song with um oh, cool. a sort of a full uh, string band and stuff as well. It's it's a really really nice piece of music. So I will put that in. Yeah, you should drop that into Discord. I shall. I'd like to. I'd like to see that. I shall. Good, good. Right. Well, would you guys like a quick break, and then we can reconvene for a quick rattle through of Undead Nightmare. Now listen, Jack, Narlin, get on this horse. Get out of here. Go find a place to hide. You're coming with us, Paul. I'll catch up. You keep riding and don't look back, and don't be worried about me. You hear? Now get going. You stay out of trouble, John. Ain't no trouble, Abigail. Ain't no trouble. I love you. I love you. Now go! Get! Take 
Welcome back to part two of our playthrough of Red Dead Redemption. This is episode 52 and as promised in this part we're going to cover our time with the DLC that came out for it, Undead Nightmare. Now this is one that back in the day I played both the full game to completion and the DLC to completion also but for those of you who are playing it for the first time clearly you won't have done but Chris did you play this at the time? No I didn't uh, I always wanted to Yep. and I can't remember why I didn't because I, cause I, I, yeah, as I said earlier I loved loved the original game and uh, 
it was really highly regarded. In fact, you might be about to go on to say this, Andy, so sorry if I'm stealing your thunder. It got a 10 out of 10 on IGN. It did. It was the first one to get a full score for DLC from any publication. DLC got 10 out of 10, which, blimey. And I remember that. I remember the IGN review dropping. I remember reading it thinking, oh, I'm going to fire that up tonight. Yeah. just never did. And it took me me 11 years to play. Yeah. I think probably taking into context for its time, you could maybe see how that came about. I think DLC has taken on quite a different form now to maybe what it was at that point. I think to get effectively, well, it did become a standalone release. They actually released a physical version of this game with the expansion packs. Yeah. But I guess... When was Bioshock 2? Because that that's obviously... Minerva's Den is very famous, isn't it? Mm. Uh, set of DLC. That was later than this, wasn't it? 2013-ish? I think Bioshock... Oh. When was uh, Last of Us? That was 2013. Because Bioshock yeah, 3 so- came out the same year as The Last of Us. Okay, so obviously The Last of Us as well got a famous and, and substantial DLC. But you are right, Andy. I think that is def- you are definitely right. I mean, for you know, seven ninety nine or whatever it was. I mean, this is a you know an incre- incredible value proposition, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, also I think the other thing as well. It's um, were you talking about the release? It came out just five or six months after the main game. I was just no. What I was trying to th- trying to put it in context with other DLC that. Oh, came I'm with out you. Okay, I'm with thinking, you. Yeah. You know, because I think you're right. I mean, since then, I think DLC has become different, and good DLC mm. is is now I think more common. But yeah, you are. Right. I mean, this this was probably at a time, and you know, I think we had that GTA Four, Ballad of Gay Tony, and Lost of the Damned, and and, and whatnot. But I, I I still, you know, go from recollection only. DLC to my mind back in 20, 2009, 2010, 2011 was mainly just, you know, cosmetics. Yeah, map packs, that sort of stuff. Yep. Yeah, weapons and stuff. Yeah, so very to get much so. A, to get a six to eight hour piece of story content set in the world, which completely changes up the gameplay and the tone, is uh, uh, pretty incredible, actually, as a, uh, just as a, uh, purely as a value proposition. So Bioshock 2 yeah. was 2010, like, a, like Red Dead Redemption. Bioshock One was was, really 2011? Twi- was 2007 actually. Yeah. So so my my nervous then would would have been 2011, 2010, 2011, 2011, yeah. 2012. Yeah, yeah, similar to One Dead Nightmare yeah. then. Yeah. yeah, and I guess that probably that would have been about the time of Fallout Three, and you would have had some of all the expansions that were coming out yeah. for that. You were getting some Mass pretty Effect good ones as were, well. Mm. Yeah, so it's probably it was probably the start of of these proper. Like I say, yeah, almost yeah. standalone products. But I think this one was probably quite unusual in that, like I say, it did release as a standalone game. There was no requirement to have to have bought the base game. You could just go and buy Undead Nightmare on disc instead yeah. if you wanted to play it. Um, but I have to say, when I was just having a quick look at it, I don't remember at the time I did play it. And I th- it was probably I bought it as a digital download, I think. I don't remember having the physical disc of it. But I also don't remember it coming out so short or so close to the the main game's release. Um, I say it was so the game came out in May of 2010. This came out in October of 2010. So yeah. there wasn't yeah. really much hanging around. But it's quite telling. It just I was just having a wee squeeze over some of this stuff that was there about its development, and you wonder if perhaps there was some of this, or it obviously was, but just for how long and for how much of its development this game was already on Rockstar's radar it's I think quite a 
um, a, a well-known fact that they kind of harboured a desire to make a, a zombie game for, for quite some time. And I think if you take yourself back to 2010, this was kind of... That was the that was the trend, wasn't it? Was it everything? Yeah, most things had to have a zombies mode. It had to have some sort of expansion. Zombies were kind of, you know, we hadn't quite hit peak zombie by this point, but it was definitely in vogue yeah. to have that sort of mode on a game. So, well, I think the Walking Dead had just exploded, hadn't it? So everything that must have been, was... yeah. Yeah, it would have been, yeah. Everything, yeah, you're right. I mean, because Call of Duty had a zombies mode. Yeah, I, Call of Duty has that kind of stayed part of it to this yeah. day as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of this The Dead stuff. Rising games, they, they'd yeah. kind of blown up, haven't they, as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, zombies were everywhere. Like, that around the kind of 2010, did seem like zombies were absolutely everywhere, didn't it? Yeah, and I, I think, yeah. again, just from kind of rock stars own comments on it i think they realized that in some respects they had almost they'd almost done 90 percent of the work for themselves because if anything zombies which we'll get onto within our discussion anyway but it's such a perfect fit for this game and its world and arguably even a better fit for this game and its world than what <laughs> what the main game was in terms of we've talked about how within the main game that the actual kind of OTT aspects of it maybe don't quite land, but the, this yeah. game or a, a sort of a, a sort of B movie zombie aspect really kind of lends itself to uh, with it within this game world. Um, it definitely does. I mean, this is uh, one place where the narrative and the tone of the game fits. I mean, th- those two things really fit together in in the Undead Nightmare, I think. And yeah. it's really really well done with a nice theme tune and everything. Yeah. Oh, it, oh, it's great. It's got some some really really good music, definitely. And yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right, Andy. I mean, I think it's you know the the original game had those farcical kind of otherworldly elements, you know, and in some serious ways as well. We talked about the uh, the series of missions earlier, didn't we? With the stranger, I forget, what what's hmm. it called? The um, the guy who foreshadows his death. The those the, series of missions, yeah. the supernatural. The yeah. oh. Um, we we're just talking we about it. We were only talking about it 20 minutes ago. Yes. None, none of us can remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's one of the stranger missions. The something man, isn't it? Is it the, yeah. yeah, so whatever it was. And and I think what, what I loved about Undead Nightmare is how they just lent into that fantastical side of elements of the base game were there as well. But they just go 100% all in on it and just really change up the tone and really lean into the kind of comedic elements as well. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the likes of Seth and, and to some extent West Dickens, you know, if they fit in this world. Yes, they absolutely yeah, yeah. do, yeah. And there was also, again, this was just through, partly through just, you know, some reading on Wikipedia, but then through Rockstar themselves. And they actually made quite a good analogy when they were talking about the development, because I think, obviously, it was developed concurrently with the, the, the main game. And they were saying that they kind of really saw a, almost a cinematic heritage between the the western and the zombie horror genres, particularly I think more yeah. the sort of the, the spaghetti westerns. And uh, they, they they used this analogy of it being like a like a nineteen seventies film set where you would have obviously all set in the same universe, and it was almost all the characters that were that were kind of on the film shoot were filming this slightly more kind of serious western during the daytime and then in the evening time they would all film this kind of like 
pretty ridiculous B-movie zombie horror film in the evening. So, like, the same cast, same sets, but almost making two different films. <laughs> and you can kind of see that to an extent. And I yeah, think I like that. Yeah, yeah I like it. It probably would have made the development quite good fun. I'm sure there was probably points during the, the main game where they were able to to branch off a little bit and um, indulge themselves a little bit more with the sort of the, the silliness and mm. some of the other kind of supernatural aspects of the game. I think the other point as well, and, and, and like all good DLC, part of the charm about this is going back into this world. You know, when, when for, for those who'd spent 30, 40 hours playing Red Dead Redemption, the the idea of, of dropping back in as John Marston and having another six, seven, eight hours, it's really welcome. I think the way we play these games, you know, because we cover the DLC as part of our, our playthrough, of course, to be thorough, a bit like with Horizon Zero Dawn, Maybe by the time we get to the DLC elements, you know, we're a bit we're a bit jaded with the game. You know, we've been playing it for a couple of months and talking about it, and you know, yeah. maybe we don't we don't get from the DLC what other people got having had that five or six month break between mm. playing. It. Yeah, because it can tend to be a bit more of the same, can't it? Which mm. is not always a bad thing, but yeah, it can. But then at the same time, you've got the like when you have that break, it's hard to come back in. Can be, yeah. yeah. yeah so it's a fine, it's a difficult balance to to sort of strike, yeah. I suppose. Not many mechanics to to remember here, so that was fine. No, that's yeah. true. That, w- that would have yeah. been worse with the uh, horizon. Yeah. yeah. What does John V say? Left trigger, right trigger, left yes. trigger, right trigger. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's right. But yeah. interesting enough, I mean, again, they talk about that, and I think they'd also looked at possibly adding this a, a zombie. Um, expansion onto the fitting it into the Grand Theft Auto series because that would obviously mm. be the obvious fit with that being they're obviously their their main seller but um I think it was Dan Hauser that had said that there was seven several reasons for them to obviously to look at this one instead not least of which was that Red Dead's uh, shooting mechanics obviously lent themselves much better to it than what the Grand Theft Auto ones did primarily because you've got that obviously the slow motion dead eye feature and again just that the the zombies were a kind of a better fit for this this western kind of great plains landscape and it's um again just probably that that marston and some of the other characters within the 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 world that they'd created sort of probably fitted better as a as a sort of a you know that you sort of think of like a the main character to build the world around, and sort of, you kind of you can you can see him as a zombie hunter as much as you can as sort of the um, this outlaw. It kind of just all all goes together very well. Um, yeah, yeah. And this was this was not like a modern zombie movie. This was again a take on a classic old zombie movie, which are of course horrible and and, and grimy and bloody, but they're also funny. I mean, they're supposed mm. to be funny, so the characters are completely over the top, and the, the tone just fit perfectly here. I, yeah. Even yeah. though it was a lot less bloody than Brain Dead, it had me thinking of stuff like Brain Dead sometimes. Like uh, you remember the minister from Brain Dead, who's uh, who comes jumping out in the, in the cemetery, saying something along the lines of "I kick ass for the Lord," and then he starts beating uh, zombies <laughs> up. That's how I felt about uh, what's the gunslinger's name, uh, Landon Ricketts, when we met him, and he was yeah, just yeah, sitting yeah. there lounging in his chair, <laughs> shooting the odd zombie, running at him, and throwing stuff at <laughs> yeah. them. That, yeah, that, that's yeah. it. I love yeah, the using a cigar this. to light a stick of dynamite yes. and lobbing it at them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I love the way like they go into it right from the start, like with that with that kind of B movie voiceover introduction. Yes. You know, yes. Yeah. The first thing you Brilliantly see. done. 
it's so different to the opening of of the main game mm. that straight away you you're thinking this is going to be great. This is really yeah, funny. Yeah, this yeah. Is... yeah, yeah, definitely. It sets its soul out very early. That's for sure. Mm. Um, yeah. And in terms of how you played it, did you just play it? Did you just carry on from what you were already playing on? Because the reason I ask is that there were some issues with as I understand it. So I was originally playing the Game of the Year physical disc edition that's got a separate Undead Nightmare physical disc in the box. And I think it was back in 2018, something like that, when Rockstar updated their servers for Red Dead Online. It also applied a patch to the physical disc from the Game of the Year edition that effectively makes it unplayable uh, or it makes it very difficult to play it. I think there was. I know that Mitsuyama had a few issues during the gameplay with. It's a bit, effectively a glitch where when you go to try and clear out the cemeteries, of think of which there's five, at some point basically they stop spawning their bodies. It's just clothes that you can see running around the graveyards <laughs> and it doesn't register the kills on the zombies. So you can't actually, although you can burn all the coffins, it will just send an unlimited number of zombies after you. Uh, um, it's not actually possible uh, to clear them. And if you subsequently, once a glitch has manifested itself, you if you subsequently go to a safe house and save, it crashes the game and you God. lose all your progress. So hopefully That's people don't have thing, too many frustrations. It? But a quick Reddit search when I was... Because I, I was actually pretty... I'm pretty annoyed when I started playing it because I was maybe about a couple of hours into it, at which point that glitch appeared and I had a quick bit of Reddit reading and I realised that it was my disc that was going to be the problem with it so I ended up having to dig out the 360 which I could then put the physical disc into that and then just access the the download for the no I see I tell a lie I must have been able to did the physical disc no I think I had to download it on the 360 I downloaded the expansion on the 360 which seemed to work and it seems, Mads, you played the digital download on the Series X, is that right? Yeah, I had no problems at all. I, I have yeah. the original disc, not the Game of the Year edition, just the, yeah. the original disc, yeah, I and I downloaded on the, the Xbox Store the DLC, and I had no no problems at all. I, I had yeah, one yeah. issue, one issue playing this entire thing, thing so a lot less than playing the the main game. And that one issue was quite annoying. I had a, a, a town clearance I was doing, and I killed... You know, in the end, they say kill the rest of the zombies. So I killed yep. all of the zombies, and there was one red dot just slightly outside of town. So I had to go out there and kill that zombie, and when I went back in, I had to restart the whole uh, <laughs> clearing ah, the city. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but that's yeah. the only thing I had, and that took me just a couple of minutes. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't have any issues. I was the same as you. Downloaded it from the store, and then because I had the regular edition of, yeah. of Red Dead. But because I'd been because I was aware of the issues going into it, whenever the missions didn't sort of come up straight away, because there's obviously this time mechanic in there, mm. I was sort of, oh God, is my, is my game broke? Is it glitched? Is, yeah, you know, whereas I didn't think like that at all playing the main game, but this, no. I don't know, there's like, it was almost like it broken my trust or something <laughs> yeah i went back i went back to the 360 so i'd moved over to the series x at some point just because i wanted to have a look what it was like you know in the uprest yeah mm. but when you started talking about the glitches i actually took my physical disc and went home with it and went back to the 360 downloaded it from the 360 uh shop which you won't be able to do for much longer because no. i think they're closing that in may 
That's going to be a problem for podcasts like ours. We, we've been uh, downloading a DLC for a 360 titles yeah. a few times already. I think it's only yeah. select games that are coming off the store, though, isn't it? I don't know. I thought they were completely closing the Yeah, that's what I heard store. as well. There's quite a few that are coming oh, off in the short term. Definitely, as you said, uh, Daytona USA being one, yeah, is that you, will have, that, yeah. you will no longer have any access to that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, yeah. a different topic altogether. But yeah, yeah. no, I did download from on the Xbox 360. In the, with the very slow download speeds, yeah, and um, and played it, yeah, you know, and it was it was yeah very cool, yeah. Well, it was going. I went back to play it on the three hundred and sixty, and it was quite nice actually. It was an excuse to get the three hundred and sixty out. It's it's a great console. It's a great controller as well actually. It's still yeah, it's still a lovely controller to play with. But it and that drive churning away. Oh, but, like, well, you, this is what I was about to say. The two things I noticed right away was how noisy it was because it was <laughs> sitting out on the countertop <laughs> while I was playing it. And also, yeah, yeah. yeah, and also how much longer the load times were for each section yeah. as well, whilst it was loading mm-hmm. it in. Yeah. Um, what I would say in its defence, though, was I actually, I actually think I preferred the unupscaled graphics on the 360. They've got a, they've got a slightly, just a slightly warmer feel to them. They're very, very sharp, obviously. Yeah. when they're upscaled in the Series X, but where you do notice the difference, what there was quite a few times where there was a bit of a drop in the frame rate on the 360 version where it would get quite chuggy in points. But I think if I could have had it running at the Series X frame rate, basically with no drops, but with the 360's um, original graphics, I think that would have been the, the perfect compromise, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know, it was just it was very nice going back to playing it with the, the original 360 graphics. It kind of gave me quite a... A warm and fuzzy feeling. It was nice. <laughs> Practically retro by now. Well, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah sadly, that's Don't true. tell Dean Swain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll quickly run through the plot and then we'll just basically chat about our experiences of playing with it quite a bit quicker, obviously, than what the main story was. So um, try not to laugh as I read this out because this is obviously what actually happened. This is the... Uh, <laughs> All the events of the um, of the game. So shortly after, and it's worth pointing out as well, actually, that the it's non-canonical, but the events take place between John returning to Beecher's Hope, and then the finale, where at some point prior to John going and having that conversation with Jack in the barn and all the U.S. Army soldiers arriving, which we've just talked about. This happens at some point, possibly, you know, it's at some point over those first few nights when he's ba- settling back into back into life with the uh, with life with the family. So shortly after being reunited with his family, Marston is trying to lead a peaceful life with his wife Abigail, son Jack, and friend Uncle on their ranch at Beecher's Hope. One stormy night, however, Uncle is nowhere to be found, and the Marstons, assuming he had found shelter elsewhere, go to sleep. In the middle of the night, they are awakened by a zombified uncle that bites Abigail, who proceeds to bite Jack and therefore turns them both into zombies. After killing Uncle and tying up Abigail and Jack, John sets out to find a cure and goes to the town of Blackwater in search for a doctor, only to find it nearly abandoned. He runs into one of his former allies, Professor Harold McDougall, who theorises that a virus has caused the dead to come back to life. Um, however, he is uh, he gets very little screen time because in the first couple of minutes of meeting him, he's killed by an undead uh, Nastas, and after which John encounters some other survivors, which he helps to clear Blackwater and the nearby cemetery of the undead. 
So at this point, he learns that another two of his former allies, Nigel West Dickens and Seth Breyers, are supposedly responsible for the outbreak, depending on who you ask. We then meet with both men who initially all deny any involvement, although Seth voices his suspicions that the Aztecs had something to do with the entire ordeal, <laughs> and so John needs to travel to Mexico. John travels to Nueva Paraiso, only to discover that it's actually in a much worse state than America. He encounters a group of nuns led by Mother Superior Calderon, and she informs him that a woman told her Abraham Reyes, whom John had previously helped take over Nueva Paraiso, is responsible for the outbreak. When John goes to meet with the woman, he finds her attacked by uh, being attacked by a zombified Reyes, whom he has to kill, and the woman informs John that Reyes triggered the zombie plague when he stole an Aztec mask from some tombs and became a zombie himself when he donned the mask. Finally, venturing into the tombs, John and the woman are able to return the mask to its original place, effectively stopping the plague. The woman re- then reveals herself as the Aztec goddess... Any any suggestions on the pronunciation? You go, you go. <laughs> I'm going to go with Ayatotl, something like that. The Ayatola, is it? The old Chris Jericho, the Ayatola. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Rock yeah, and yeah, roll yeah, the Jericho, <laughs> yeah. And thanking John for himself, she gifts him one of the four horses of the apocalypse <laughs> to return home. John then returns home to Beecher's Hope to find that Jack and Abigail have been cured and is happy to be reunited with them. Months later, this is obviously post the main game events following John's death, we see Seth creeping into the vault and stealing the mask, which causes the dead to rise from their graves once again. Um, However, John is amongst those resurrected, but because he was buried with some holy water, he now comes back as a zombie for which we are, can continue playing the game. Yep. And that is the plot. <laughs> but I'm within sure the context... I didn't, I didn't get any of the horses of the apocalypse for clearing that uh, that temple. I already had two of them, though, because I... Yeah, I, I, got, I found myself. two, yeah. yeah. Mm. I found three. You did? Oh, Pass. I, I, was I don't know if you maybe them, got the I deeds. Did you get the deeds in your provisions afterwards? I'm not too sure. Oh, I, uh, I could have. No. I didn't check, so... I didn't check. No, I, I oh, got no, the I got War's horse first. Beautiful yep. horse that's on fire. And when you when you yeah. ride into the zombies, they yeah, can, they fire, catch yeah. fire as well. Beautiful. And then by accident, or not by accident, then I I captured Pestilence's horse. It's yep. this stinky thing with a green like cloud yes, around that's it. That's the one I got. Next I really well, didn't yeah. want that one, so I I caught it. I let it go and and mounted War's horse again. Rode somewhere, just. Got off the horse and then wanted to shoot some some zombies. Whistled for my horse and Pestilence's horse came back instead. So I lost my beautiful fiery horse. <laughs> I don't know what it is like the flies that fly noise in a, in games. Yeah. It just, oh, so I was riding that stinky horse for at least half the time. Yeah, I was gonna say especially when they're buzzing around some beat up old nags so I got, ass. I got famine. <laughs> I got famine as well. Like and that, that was the that. skinny skeleton horse, or which? Yeah, it's a very sorry-looking yeah. horse, isn't it? Yeah. The stamina never depletes it, on it, famine, so you it can doesn't just on any tap of them. The A button repeatedly. It doesn't on any of them. All of the horses of the apocalypse, you can just repeatedly press the button. I, I tried to, well, one of the two I had. special skill is that its stamina never depletes, so that's rubbish. Yeah, that is yeah. rubbish because I, I did. <laughs> I, I noticed I could just continuously do that on war and uh, and pestilence's horse. 
<laughs> I never found a unicorn though. Did you guys? No. You have to no, have no. had all four. You have to catch all four horses in order oh, for the okay. the unicorn to then appear. Mm. And I think it's it is under some quite specific circumstances. I think in much the same way. I think in the base game we had to catch the yeah. jackalope, didn't we? For yeah, one the of specialist the, beasts. Yeah, I think you've got yeah. to catch a, chuka, a, a chupacabra. I think in yeah, um, yeah. in this game and all. And I think having then done that then I think is the point at which under certain conditions the unicorn will appear but uh, apparently it's similar to the um, which is the which is it is it death which is the horse that basically would just make it would make the zombies heads explode when you rode into them oh, I didn't find that one. no I didn't oh, find oh no I didn't I think find was, that one that sounds yeah, pretty cool you, you got that I think at the end I definitely had that it might be, be maybe you got that with one of the outfits I'm not entirely sure but it's uh, it's a beautiful. You would have liked it, Mads, because it's a beautiful looking horse. It's this kind of very beautiful Palomino horse that you can, as long as you are sprinting, when you run into zombies, they just explode. So you can go and <laughs> it sounds like good fun. <laughs> yeah, it's great. You could just ride up and down settlements and just take them all out. You didn't even have to fire a weapon. But, oh wow! Uh, in much the same way, I think when you find a unicorn, apparently I never find it, but it had this rainbow cloud or this rainbow trail following behind it the whole time so instead of yeah, instead of a green cloud hanging out its ass it had this nice rainbow trail and sparkles it's, uh, <laughs> nice. it's pretty cool yeah, yeah I, I was... think we part of the new new ambient challenges weren't there the, to find the horses of the apocalypse mm. that's right yeah yeah there was yeah that's it so yeah there was but you basically you continued in much the same vein as the first as, as the main game you had the undead hunter undead sharpshooter Undead Treasure Hunter, and then I think the survivalist one got replaced with the Four Horses of the Apocalypse. Yeah. Which that one was. Um, I couldn't do the challenge. I think it was the Zombie Hunter one where you had to kill, I think, five of them in one dead eye while they're on fire. (laughs) Phosphorus. I did did try for ages to do that. Mm. I just couldn't do it. Did you get the phosphorus bullets? Uh, yeah, because that so. sets the them on fire. fire. Exactly that. So all you had to do was just have a weapon with more than five rounds in it. Dead eye five targets after you've activated ah, the phosphorus, well. and it sets them on fire and counts. Mm. I will say it's not very clear with some of the crafting things, is it? It's not very clear. Full stop. I think it was. It's it's an underbaked mechanic. I think in this expansion. Yeah. I think they were obviously trying some new ideas, but. There were a lot of things, and I think it got commented on in the Discord as well, where there was quite a few of these things that it told you how to do them, but then you basically never revisited yeah. them, and there was no mm. requirement necessarily to revisit them yeah. either. I think they yeah. maybe got you more useful as you went towards 100% completion, but to get to the game, you didn't need them. You needed to loot a lot of bodies to get ammo, which got quite frustrating. <laughs> yes, yeah. it was like yeah, zombie one. ears and stuff. Yes, it was a blunderbuss. There as well, because the, 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 the hitbox that you need, you need to be standing directly on top of a body to be able to loot it in this game, whereas I found in the main game, you just needed to be close to them. So that actually annoyed me when I when I had killed 20 zombies. I need to go over there and then go a little back and a little forth and yeah, just yeah. to the right. Oh, I can loot. Next. And there was also, for some inexplicable reason, there was a short time delay between you being able to, between you killing them and being able to loot the body. Yeah, it, was a okay. po- it took about three seconds, three or four seconds before you could stand over a body. And it was only about after three or four seconds that the prompt to loot it became available. Mm. Whereas yeah. in the main game, you could just, do it straight away i don't know if it was to prevent you from being able to kill people and grab the ammo straight away i think if the i think it was probably to discourage you from um or if you're basically i think it was just to sort of 
I guess a sort of a, to create this false sense of pressure so that if there was lots of zombies on top of you you couldn't mm. just loiter and keep picking up ammo you had to kind of yeah. clear and then come back to get them yeah because you're part- invulnerable aren't you when you pick up the when you loot a body you're you're invincible and actually you know that that can be quite handy when you're being swarmed by by zombies yeah mm. never considered that yeah. but yeah. this game was actually a lot more tense to play than the uh, the the main game there was the yeah. scarcity of ammo but more than that there was the fact that they didn't uh, map every single enemy on the map the entire time so often you wouldn't know somebody was coming up behind you you'd always know yeah. that in the original you just hear you just hear the, the and then you knew there yeah. was one right behind yeah. you yeah so it, yeah. it was actually especially in the beginning when i was just getting into it a lot more tense than than playing the the original game and i loved that it was uh, yeah. suddenly i wasn't wasn't just rushing into towns and running around shooting stuff i was just inching around and oh shit somebody's yeah. behind me and uh, yeah, yeah i, I like yeah. that and there was some... by the by the end though there was plenty of I didn't run out anywhere near running out of no. ammo no, by the end no I'd, me neither and I had like dynamite and um, yeah like um, bait bait bombs and all sorts yeah, yeah. yeah. really Brilliant. cool yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah they were cool I like the way it drift feeds you the weapons because you don't you can't buy weapons in this game you can't find weapons you get weapons that you for liberating yes you got one from yeah you got something from each town that's right. Yeah, that's quite cool. And for each little story mission you do, you got a, another weapon, and I quite like that because it kind of gave you, it did give you, because by the time you've liberated your first couple of towns and you've killed your first five hundred zombies, ah, it does get a little bit stale, mm. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, but at least that does give you some kind of incentive to go on. Mm. Yeah. Well, that was going to be my next question: was how you enjoyed or otherwise the gameplay loop in this one compared to the main game because unlike the main one where you could just if you wanted to mainline the the main story and you always had an event to be moving on to in difference with this one it's the case where i think you had eight main story missions but there would be certain points at which you were gated off from being able to proceed you then had to go off and complete these i can't remember what they had them as um I think they called them survivor missions. They were basically ext- survivor missions. Yeah, they were, yeah, they were for all in, intents and purposes. They were the same as the stranger missions. Even looked the same as mm. the stranger missions. Yeah. But there were points in the game where you had to go off and complete one of those in order to o- then open up the the main game or the main story again. So I, I think I definitely felt the the novelty wearing off as the game got towards its final yeah. third. I think of this yeah. kind of rinse and repeat of a story event going and clearing something and then there'd be you know a set of set particularly initially i was trying to get 100 percent on it and you'd then go to all the nearby settlements clear all of them out then you'd go and do all the stranger or the nearby stranger missions and do all that and it it did feel quite it was definitely more of a loop to this game than what there was with the the main game but it's and i I think because there was i did not i just find it maybe I don't know why it was maybe because I was breaking up the game previously with doing other things along the way. I'm not too sure, or because you were much more reliant on you couldn't just go and buy ammo, all this sort of stuff. You were maybe I don't know if I was playing it slightly differently compared to compared to the main game, but I think I probably I enjoyed the story more of this game, but I probably enjoyed the gameplay loop less compared to the main game. Yeah, I think it just it just sort of grated on me a little bit by by the end like when i came off the end of the main game 
I could I could have quite happily gone into Red Dead Two straight away. I would have probably burnt out on it, but I could have gone in. I felt like I, I was having such a good time with it. I could have gone straight into the into the sequel. A few hours into this, I was like, right, yeah, I've I've hit my <laughs> I've hit my time with uh, with Red Dead. But for saying that, I, I, um, I did enjoy like some of the side missions, the Sasquatch mission. That sort of getting oh, that, that tugs so on sad. the heartstrings. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that one. It was it was yeah. quite traumatizing. Did, yes, did, did you did you shoot him in the end? I I had to put him at his misery. No. Yeah, same, yeah. I <laughs> yeah. felt terrible well, doing as it. As he was running away, yeah, I shot him as he was running away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I basically, because initially he was sat, he was <laughs> he just was sat in the tree sobbing, wasn't he? So I just, I basically went out to him and shot him at point blank range in the head because I thought he's, he's, he's heartbroken. He's the last of his yeah. kind. So you might as well have none of his kind. There's, there's not going to be any more of them anyway. So rather than him living out his last few years in misery, it's probably better he just joins him sooner rather than later. But, um, yeah. Big B's back. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Although I did. So I basically I went on a Sasquatch hunt with the explosive rifle. So I was basically just I just oh, basically God. exploded all six of them <laughs> left, right, and center. But uh, yeah, I, I I had to do it. that one did have me chuckling where um, it was a bit where uh, John says to him something like, like "You eat babies," and he's like. Berries! It's berries that we yeah, eat. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good humor. There's so many good there's so many good moments like that though. Mm. Yeah. Like when you when you when you get to Blackwater and you meet McDougal and he says uh he said John says, What's going on? He says, Well, John, you know, I'm a very intelligent man, an educated man, a man of learning. I have no effing idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's really funny. Yeah. And then he says, I'm gonna walk down here into this dark alley and I'm gonna be absolutely fine. <laughs> yes. And he goes and gets eaten. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. comes running out and gets him. And and the other one that's really good is in the in Armadillo, the shopkeeper, the absolute Oh yes. Herbert yeah. Herbert Moon. Yeah. I'm Herbert Moon. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's what I loved about about Undead Nightmare. It is like the parody of the pastiche. Yeah. And this guy who's sounding off about, you know, it's the fault of the Jews, it's the fault of the Irish, it's the women, it's well, the black people. It's, yeah, this is it. I think because you know. he starts off and he kind of his first line is probably is probably not out of place from the main game because you had heard similar lines within the main game. Yeah, when he said that in the main game, yeah. Yeah, and then it's just, like I say, it's the fact that he just keeps on going and going and going and going and going. Yes. And the way Marston's saying to him, oh, right, yeah, so it's the women, is it? Yeah, oh, yeah why do you think that? You know? And then he goes and gets absolutely chewed up by a couple of zombies mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and, and killing Reyes as well, which just really cathartic after how horrible he was in the main game. Yeah. Just being able just to... Just, yeah, it was loads of moments like that when horrible characters got met their ends yeah, and you just think... Yeah. I, I, I thought it was just... I, I thought it was really nice kind of fan service in that respect. And I think probably almost all the main characters made an appearance, didn't they? Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Yeah. Um, I was pleased to say they didn't zombify Bonnie, um, although uh, yeah. Drew, <laughs> bless him, Drew didn't, didn't fare so well in it all. <laughs> Well, there were three really good good characters in the whole game. Went to probably Bonnie, Landon, and the sheriff in Armadillo, and all three of those survived a zombie outbreak mm. as well. So yeah. yeah, probably says something. Yeah. So, and even though you say that uh, it outstayed its welcome uh, in the end, 
it, it might have been a, like a, a short loop of what you're actually doing, but the the minute to minute gunplay was a lot more fun in this game than in yeah. the main game because of the, the they they cranked the uh, the dead eye up to eleven, right? So we really need to get a lot of dead eye kills done here. And there are different enemy types all of a sudden. So some zombies would go down on all four and rush at you. Mm, you need to yes. kill those quickly. And so you pretty much have to use the dead eye on those like guys. Green, some would be spitting green stuff at you. And, uh, th- there'd wretches. Be, once again? Wretches. Oh, yeah, wretches. I, I caught one of those to make a brilliant movie with them at some point. That's yes. right, yes. Yeah. 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 You take yes. them to the little tent. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But, but I, I like the action here better than in the the actual game and i i uh, actually in this game stopped using the left trigger right trigger left trigger right th- trigger thing uh, and tried to just aim my gun and then shoot them like that and then it made for a more fun gameplay loop i think yeah i think well you have to adjust sorry chris i just gonna say yeah no, you on, have then. to adjust it anyway a little bit because that auto aim sort of fixes onto the mass of the body doesn't it oh, you're so right. you have you to, to you have to make that slight here. adjustment for the headshot yeah, so it does force you to to be a little bit more um bit more careful with, with your aim, yeah. 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 I started off indefinitely feeling the same, like you know, it was a really good change up because whereas in the main game, you know, you get into a combat encounter, and once you're in cover, you're pretty much invulnerable really, mm. aren't you? I mean it's quite easy once you find some cover, you it's quite easy just to pick off the the enemies. Whereas obviously in Undead Nightmare, you know, if you've just if you just stay in cover, you're going to die because they're going to rush you and you'll be surrounded. Yeah. So you need to be on the move. You're constantly, you know, you're constantly moving around trying to find a little pocket of space to pick them off. And yeah. I, I did really like that change up. And at first, I thought, yeah, this is good fun. I think where I went wrong is, oh, stupidly, I went and cleared every single settlement in on the American side of the river. <laughs> now, why'd you do that? Well, I don't know because then <laughs> I think then by the time I got to Mexico, I. I I ju- yeah, I was. I could feel like it wasn't fun anymore, and I feel like going into town. It's like, oh god, you know, here we mm, go again. Okay. And I think as you go, as the game goes on, like the, it, those town clearances get longer and longer. Yeah. I think there's one of them in Mexico that was like seven. Bars, yeah, you like, had yeah. to. Yeah, you yeah, had the number yeah. of dots that you had to fill. Yeah, I think was it uh, was it Escalera, whichever one was over on the the west, the very far west was up. So I was didn't ever do Escalera. No. Yeah, there was one that was up. I think oh, the biggest. Yeah. I think you, you're supposed to wait was... wait to do stuff like that till after till your zombie fight uh, Marston, and you can't get enough, and then you can go roam around the the map and do all the clearings. Yeah, I know. I know that's what I should have done. So I think I did burn out. I think like I, I looked on my stats. I think by the end, of, I think it was about like eight hundred and sixty zombies I'd killed. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I would need to check my Chris, but I, I, it's, it's interesting you say that because I th- that was exactly my experience, and that's where I'm saying I think that where I felt that the gameplay loop was getting a wee bit tired was because I initially set out to get a hundred percent on the game, and yeah. it's it's a lot of extra work to do it on this game in terms of. Yeah. You do have to clear all twenty settlements. You have to have done all the. There's quite a bit of extra stuff to do on the all of those undead challenges. Some of which are actually quite tricky to do as well. And, and you have to reclear the settlements. Yes, the they start getting overrun, don't they? Yeah. So, as oh, I understand oh, it, even for a one hundred percent completion, is that you only need to clear them once. They don't need to stay cleared. But oh, okay. it was the case, which. 
I'm just not a massive fan of that as a a, a, no. a feature in any game. I, 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 if I've cleared something, I like it to stay cleared. Yeah, you want to know it's safe. Um, yeah, yeah, because yeah. the number of times that, you know, I'd be way off down in Mexico and I would get the little prompt to say black water's under attack and then it would say a survivor has died another survivor has died i thought i'm not going to get on the horse or i'm not going to fat up i'm not going all the way back up to Blackwater no. to go and mm. clear another town when i'm just about to when i'm outside a town i'm go- about to go and clear here instead so it was just basically yeah, no. <laughs> which was the sort of the and i think it was the case that so long as you kept survivors alive you would always have a safe house to save in and you would always get ammo drops within there'd always be ammo chests within if you allowed them to become overrun and all the survivors died i think you can still go back into it and clear it and i think you can also save it but you won't get any ammo top up so it seems a bit pointless yeah You'd also if, lose if the was, ability if, to quick travel there, right? That's that's yeah, that'd be that. Yeah, one exactly. Of the right. yeah, yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah. Yep. I think if someone was to say to me, "Oh, I'm going to about to play Undead Nightmare. How do you think I should approach it?" I think what I'd say to them is, "Just ignore the side stuff." Yeah. In Undead Nightmare, like you, you'll have to do some of it because you have to do some of it to trigger the next. Yeah, but bit. just but take it. Where, you'll take it where the story takes you and, do, and do take it. it in your stride yep. yeah and do what you need to do because yep. at one point like i the only side mission when i was crossing to mexico the only side mission i had available to me was the one about completing the movie you know where you got to capture a wretcher yep. yeah yeah i didn't do that i didn't do that till much later and i was really struggling to find a wretcher to capture on the American side, of the I world. ended up getting one in Mexico and taking it all the way back. <laughs> Importing over. one. That's what I did. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. It said in the uh, if you read the, the the mission, it said where to get them. Yeah, like, know, yeah, but they just one. didn't spawn. There was there's a, there's a no. little town nearby as well, and they just no, 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 no. Gap Tooth Ridge. Wasn't I, I was yeah, riding Tooth around Ridge, that. Yeah. yeah, I was riding around Gap Tooth Ridge, and and then I found there's this. Um, this rich uh, that that is gap tooth rich oh, that you just have to ride into and in the bottom there 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 are three or four riches always always standing around yeah but there's hundreds of i was going to say it was quite a cool feature i liked that, that you would sometimes get these narrow passes where you would come around a blind corner yeah. and yeah. you would just have three or four well probably three dozen zombies all jammed into this little pass that yeah previously yeah. you'd have just been able to ride straight through there in the original game like there's not a chance i'm going in there and you'd have to Find an alternative, put the brakes on, and go. No, 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 no! Just full speed ahead, just right through them. I love doing that. Yeah, <laughs> okay. You can be, you do <laughs> knock them over, don't you? Yeah, you yeah. do. Yeah. And if or you have horse, horse on they'd the, all be the, burning when you lift. <laughs> yeah. Did I'm glad we played it though. I really am. I think. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad we seen it. It would have been easy to just say, "Oh, you know, we'll leave it," but. I'm glad we've seen it, and I'm glad we we've been able to have a chat about it because it definitely it definitely is worth you know, six hours of anyone's time. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and you could probably do it in less than that, I reckon, if you ignored some of the sides. I mean, I, I didn't so. even have the energy. To, didn't even have the energy to do the treasure hunter missions. <gasps> to be honest, <laughs> yeah. no. I looked at the first map. Did you find the first one? Was it somewhere up by no, the? I looked at, just couldn't. I was like, what? I think it was somewhere near the McFarlane Ranch, but I think it was the case. I think because I'd done all the extra bits in the main game, I think I kind of had punched myself out a bit for all the extras yeah. on this one. I thought, you know, what? I can't be bothered starting all over again. I think had I had that break, like you'd said, you know, if you'd had that six months or whatever away from the game and had this come out, I would have thought, yeah, do you know what? I really enjoyed that treasure hunting. I'll go off and do a wee bit more now. But I think it was, I th- I still think it was the right time to play this DLC, as you say, just if only because yeah. 
all the characters, all the locations, everything is still very fresh in your mind. And yeah. it gave you a really nice contrast between the two. And I think particularly because one of the main, kind of like the recurring, um, not always criticism, just one of the recurring points that's kept coming up is maybe how the story within the main game didn't take itself seriously enough. And I think it was just quite nice to obviously have this as an immediate contrast to see that, you know, when they... Um, well, it's that they, they lean into the silliness of it. Mm. It actually works very, very well. Um, yeah. 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 Well, we'll do it. We've actually got two more listener clips here that we can pass over to because these are both these guys played the, the Undead Nightmare, but also they've just got some thoughts on the game in general as well, which will kind of lead us quite nicely into, into our own conclusions. So we've got, first of all, it's from well, a clip here from Mitsuyama who has very kindly given us another one and uh, he has also contributed the to every single one of our Red Dead episodes so a massive thanks to you for that and yeah. he'll give us his final thoughts and then we've got Chris1983 as well who is going to give us his thoughts and then uh, we will join you for ours so over to them Hi everyone, it's Stephen aka Mitsuyama on Discord back for the final instalment of Red Dead Redemption this time we see John trying to live life as a rancher and re-engage with his wife and son Jack. I thought the herding and hunting missions were a nice contrast to the previous hectic missions and the inevitable final showdown with Ross and the army. I say inevitable because I don't think this game was ever going to end with John and his family living happily ever after. There was some discussion on Discord regarding the end of the story and my take on this was that John realised that he was never going to escape from Ross that he was faced with a choice of either living life on the run and dragging his family with him, or giving up there and then and giving his family a chance at a peaceful life. In the end, I think he left that barn knowing full well he was going to die, but at least it would give his family a chance at living out a peaceful life. I thought the final part of the story where you get to play as Jack was handled very nicely. The game presents this as a side mission, almost giving you, the player, the option of whether to go out and seek revenge or not. Of course I chose to go and seek revenge, and not only did I end up killing Ross, but I also killed Ross's wife and his brother along the way too. All in all, I think it was a satisfactory ending to the main story. So, on then to Undead Nightmare, the DLC. I was pleasantly surprised by the DLC, and enjoyed playing it immensely. I thought it was the highlight of the game. The zombie cowboy scenario was pure fun, and as a consequence the wacky characters didn't feel as much out of place in the DLC as they did in the main storyline. Also, what's not to love about shooting hordes of zombies right in the head? However, I encountered many game-breaking bugs in my playthrough, and this forced me to restart the game several times, and really took the shine off it for me. Overall, I was disappointed by Red Dead Redemption. I was expecting a gritty western drama, and the game failed to deliver that for me. Also, the bugs I encountered along the way left me feeling frustrated, and overall, I was just a little underwhelmed by the whole experience. Finally, I want to thank Andy, Chris, Jim and Mads for producing the podcast. I always enjoy playing along when I can, and even though this time Red Dead Redemption left me feeling underwhelmed, I still enjoyed the discussion on Discord and listening to your guys' opinion on the podcast. Thanks very much, and I'll catch you next time. Hey guys, it's Chris, uh, Chris1983 on the Discord group. Um, just wanted to record my final thoughts on Red Dead Redemption. I've just about finished Undead Nightmare. Uh, I finished the, the story uh, middle of January. Um, the game was a, a big favourite of mine from that generation and replaying it, I think, 
I've been a little bit disappointed um, with some of the mechanics. The graphics are good. Uh, in places, they're a, a little bit rough and show their age. Um, I was mostly impressed with the deserts and uh, Mexico. But, uh, good overall. Um, story was not quite what I remember. I remember the, the main story beats, uh, but they didn't really have the same impact this time around. I'm not, I don't really know why, if I'm honest. Um, I, I'm sure you guys have some thoughts on that and will have explored that fully. Um, and I'd be interested to hear what everybody thinks and whether anybody agrees with me. Um, the shooting mechanics and horse mechanics and things are sort of typical rock star, a little bit over-animated, a little bit sort of um, over-indulgent with the... Uh, the character response not quite being there, which leaves it feeling a little bit like you're, you're guiding the character rather than controlling him. Um, and the the shooting itself is not really up to scratch, considering this is this is mostly how you interact with the world. Um, it does all right, but I, I, I would rather it was a bit more tight and uh, that would probably make me enjoy the game a little bit more the Under Nightmare DLC uh, I remember thinking was amazing the first time around and this time it's been okay the atmosphere is good um, I just get a little bit tired with the riding backwards and forwards getting knocked off my horse and seems a little bit janky in, in places um, and I wasn't really a fan of the whole waiting for uh, something to happen before I could go across to Mexico to finish the story. It's kind of where I am at the moment. Um, but yeah, overall, uh, a, still a good game, just I think not quite up there with how I remember it, which is a shame. Um, but yeah, an end of a great season for me, uh, and I'm looking forward to what you guys come up with for uh, the next season. Uh, and really looking forward to those waffles. Thanks, guys. A massive thanks once again for all of the listed clips we've had. That's, I think, a new record for us. That's five clips in this episode. So well done, yeah, everybody. Thank awesome, you very much. Yeah. And yeah. I, like we've always said, every opinion is valid. And I think everybody has got some some very good points that they've made um, over the course of not just this episode, but um, all of our episodes with all of the uh, all of the, the submissions that we've had. So thank you so much for those. They really do add to each and every episode. Well, it brings us to the point that I guess we can kind of give our, our own thoughts on how we found not just the Undead Nightmare, but Red Dead as a whole. So I will just give mine very briefly because I think you can probably guess what mine are. And then I'll hand it over to the, obviously to you guys because you, well, for two of you particularly, have been playing it for the first time. I think it's probably safe to say, and it won't come as any great surprise, that my opinion hasn't massively changed on this game. It's it's a game for me that will always be greater than the sum of its parts because it's been really interesting. I think when we've sat down and over the course of all these hours broken it down into all its individual components, I absolutely, I both hear and agree with a lot of the criticism that's coming its way. But despite that, it hasn't changed my love for the game one bit. If anything, I think actually having played back through it again, I've enjoyed it probably even more than I have done because I think the first time it was such a new experience, such a novel experience and, you know, clearly both me as a person and my gaming habits have, they've developed, they've matured, they've changed in many respects from what they were when I first played this game. So it's really interesting to come back to it and I think 
I love it just as much, but for, for different reasons. And I think the reason I mentioned this in the first part, and I think I probably did misspeak when I said that, or misspoke rather, when I'd said that it had a great story. It's It's got a good story. It's got a story that's I enjoyed to follow. It's got some real kind of high points within that story. It's got plenty of low points as well. There's no two ways about it. But um, I do, like I say, stand by what I said in the sense that it's what I loved more about it. And I maybe mistook the, it being the story that was so good. But for me, it's, it's the world that they've created. And I think having played back through it to the extent that I have done, is I realised that it was actually probably more the world that was kind of creating this uh, this sort of sense of place and kind of really kind of allowing me to enjoy these characters. It wasn't down to the story. It was just down to this really cool world that I have enjoyed going off and getting lost in for the best part of 41 hours or whatever it was I ultimately ended up spending on it. Um, and I guess, like for me, what I would say is that, you know, were you to ever put a score on these things you know I'm not going to but you know if you were kind of if you were thinking this as a a 7 or 8 out of 10 game can that be one of your favourites of course it can it's this is the whole thing is that we've talked about this on the podcast previously is that there are so many games out there that if you're purely looking at it from a critical perspective and you give it you know a 60% a 70% an 80% game it doesn't necessarily tell you everything that you need to know or it won't tell somebody else everything about the game that that what it does for you and like I say it's it is a very far from perfect game but it's also one of my favorite games and mm-hmm. I I stand by that so listeners that was Andy being brief and now you have the explanation for why we can <laughs> never just do a short one <laughs> I can carry on don't worry <laughs> beautiful Andy beautiful well put <laughs> yeah. Mads do you want to go or does anybody else want to go I can go let Mads go yeah no worries um I'm glad we played this. I I struggled with it, as you know, to begin with. Um, I think I was uh, playing it with the... I, I had the wrong impression of what I was about to get. And I think now I understand why you and Chris, why Andy and Chris were a bit blinded, had a bit too much rose-tinted spectacles on when it comes to the, um, the, the narrative. You were talking about how it was such a mature narrative and I was seeing something completely different for the first 50% of the game and, and all of that. And I think maybe it was because in your heads, you knew what was coming. So it was hard for you to see that this narrative really wasn't that well put together until later on in the game. So so I, I, uh, I there was some cognitive dissonance there for me, definitely, and I had a hard time with it. But I, I, I wish I'd understood before what this game was trying to do and maybe had known a little about how it would change later on. Because had I played it back in the day, I definitely wouldn't have finished this. Most definitely. I would have put down the controller a third through this game and said ah this is not for me but i'm so glad i finished it because there is some good storytelling there sometimes hindered a bit by uh by trying to be funny in ways that didn't really click with me but there is a good story and i'm so glad i played all the way through it and i'm glad i played the undead dlc as well because that was good fun and and a story that where the tone really fit the the narrative as well and i love that so uh, I definitely enjoyed this, and I'm so glad you picked it. I'm so glad I played all the way through it, and uh, I'm never going to play it again. 
but it was <laughs> good to experience. <laughs> yeah, there's no need to. That's fine. Absolutely. Until we do the sequel, there's no need to. Don't worry. Yes, I, I will gladly play the sequel. Of course. Okay. Good man. <laughs> Jim, as another first-time player? Yeah, same, really. I'd, I'd happily go... And I'd, yeah, I want to go and play the sequel. I've said before that I've blown hot and cold with this game. Everything, sort of that last third of the game onwards, I've absolutely loved and I couldn't get enough of it, really. They're, they're, I wish they'd flushed out some of the, uh, fleshed out some of the characters a little bit more than, than they did others. They spent a bit too much time on some characters rather than others. And it does show its age at times. But there's a, there is a good story in there. And, and I do, just, yeah, I just think it could have been a little bit better told and, and up until the end, when it starts getting going, uh, then 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 it then it starts to deliver on on that for me anyway. I would happily yeah go go and play the sequel. I've not had enough of uh, Red Dead. I'd, yeah, I want to play a bit more of it. And I watched the uh, Tony Robinson series that you recommended, Andy. Oh yeah, and yeah, I, that was, and I um, thought Blake Blake Brett that recommended that to me I think in our discord so yeah mm. thanks to him also ah, okay I'll oh, shout out to, to Blake as well for the recommendation then because I yeah. thought after finishing the game I thought I could imagine Tony Robinson sort of looking into the legend of John Marston yeah and and, <laughs> and so it it yeah it delivered what it set out to so yeah nice nice pick nice pick mate yeah good 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 Chris, as a, another, as a fellow revisitor to the franchise, the beloved franchise, as a, as a veteran, yeah. Video games, eh? I mean, they are funny things. You know, they there's a there's a new podcast with a guy called uh, Simon Parkin. It's called My the, My Perfect Console. Yeah, I listened to the uh, yeah. Ash, Ashley Birch. It's, uh, it's well worth, yeah. and this is relevant. It's well worth a listen. And in the introduction, he the in- introduction to his podcast, he says. Video games have the ability to take us back to a certain time in our lives. And for me, playing Red Dead was, as I said right at the start, was the birth of my firstborn. And I was playing Red Dead when he was, you know, a real a real baby. And when I think back to Red Dead, well, before I went back to it, when I think when I thought back to playing it, in my mind it was a true masterpiece. You know, I would have had it as a real ten out of ten game for me top shelf but then when you go back after all the years in between and all the things have happened and all the games we've played you start to see maybe it wasn't quite what I thought it was I've learnt a lot over these past episodes I think about you know the way I see games from the past and the way I view games now and and I think kind of Mads and Jim's experiences and, and some of their viewpoints have certainly have coloured the way I think about this game and I think I've learned to accept maybe some criticisms that I couldn't see before definitely yeah. in the way the narrative's told I mean really where, where I where I think I've got to with Red Dead is I go I go into it for the world like you Andy you know this is a beautiful world in my mind it was much bigger the map was much yeah. bigger than this um, but I still love being in the world and the sound you know the the imagery, watching the sunsets, you know, yeah. over the cliffs while listening to the late evening birdsong. Man, that would never get old for me in Red Dead. I can only imagine what they do with it 
in the sequel. But even 35 hours into the game, I'd still pause if the sun was going down, yep. listen to the bird song, and watch the sunset. I also, when it comes to the story, I I, I still I stand by the fact that this that they are trying to tell a mature story. You know, there are themes here of the end of an age of somebody chasing a dream whilst running away from his past. Revenge, um, the cycle of violence, you know, that's all there here. And I think in John Marston, I think we've got one of video games' enduring characters. I think he's brilliantly written, he's brilliantly conceived, he's got depth. And really, when he dies, I mean, it is an emotional tour de force, that moment. Where I think I've come round to agreeing with, with, with Mads in particular is I think there are times where the narrative does fall flat. I think Mexico is, you know, I didn't have great memories of Mexico from the first time, but this time, man, it, you know, it, it, it does struggle. The whole thing, I think, almost grinds to a halt. I think Mads is right, you know. Although I think the intention of the writers was to portray these characters in Mexico as nasty pieces of work I feel like there could have been a little bit more light and shade there in summer and there could have been some characters that were worth our while rather than having 10 hours of game of supporting what seemed like just pretty abhorrent characters on on either side Um, the game then does redeem itself story wise for me towards the end when it picks up the story of John and his family again though there were as we discussed earlier there were issues I think for, certainly for me in terms of the writing and the acting there so I think where I've ended up is yeah maybe it's not that masterpiece I thought it was but I still think for its time it's a wonderful wonderful game you know and the they really tried to pull something off with this that they probably in the end didn't quite manage but you can't knock them for trying to produce this wonderful cinematic tale set in this beautiful open world yeah maybe on the former they just they just fell a little bit short um but i'm so glad that we got to play it and i'm really glad that i got to hear the you know some of the criticism yeah and uh and and it made me reflect mm. on what i think about this game and it yeah, I think, you know, this is what our podcast is all about, listening to different opinions and having different experiences. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, it's our, you know, it's our reason for doing what we do. And uh, I've loved it. And I'm glad that you picked it, mate. Yeah, Great. these have been some of the yeah. most interesting episodes to record because we have been, our, our opinions have been so different. And, and uh, it was fun to have two people who played through it before and loved it and and couldn't initially see the flaws and two was coming from a completely different perspective so uh, i've loved recording this it's been really good great yeah. well i think it's also i feel very fortunate in that respect in the sense that for a while i am is it i think you know having played it upon release is that we did have the opportunity to think of it as a masterpiece and to, for for that while and had i not revisited it I probably would have just kept on saying this indefinitely to be honest had I not come back to play it but it just goes to show like I say things will be the same thing can be will 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 be different to you at different points in your life won't it depending on what uh, what has or hasn't happened and I look back and I just kept myself very very fortunate like I say is that at, 
at, at a point in my life, I got to play a game that I thought was the best thing I'd ever seen or one of the best things I'd ever played in much the same way, you know, having played The Last of Us and Last of Us Part 2, I would now say that is probably the best thing that I've ever played. But up until playing those, I, I would I, I would have put my hand on my heart and said that this was it. But like I say, that's only because I hadn't revisited it at any point in the last 13 years. And at the point where I did play it, like I say, that is, that is how that game made me feel. And I, I don't think that's ever something to shy away from. I guess most people know this feeling from uh, movies. I mean, movies you watched when you were younger, 80s movies, 90s movies, where in your head they're masterpieces, and then you watch them yeah. 20 years later, and yeah, they are yeah, yeah, totally. awful. I've, I've had that experience with lots of like early 90s movies recently in the, in the past couple of years, for example. So, <laughs> top, top, top Gun being the only exception, of course. I hate I'll Top fight Gun. anyone that says Waterworld's not the greatest movie ever made. Waterworld is a great movie. It's a, I love Waterworld. Well, if we're, if we're naming uh, yeah, bad movies that are good, we'll, I'll go. I'll throw in Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, I'll fight anyone who criticises that as well. Mm, I have a weak spot for and a Double Dragon. Mario Brothers movie. Well, I might be too far that one, Chris. <laughs> well, here we go. Here's a spin-off episode: '80s movies that disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a long one. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, all of them, apart from Top Gun. Um, good, but I was, yeah, thank you so much because I know that this, not just to you guys or particularly with yourself, um, well, for all, for all of us, I guess, but also to everybody who's been playing along with us, is that I know this maybe hasn't been the easiest game to keep pace with throughout, but. I think everybody within, from what I can see, I think everybody within the, the Discord group stuck with it, stuck with us. So thank you for persevering. I hope everybody's had their own yeah. little payoff as a consequence. And uh, like I say, I've absolutely loved playing it. And I think even more than that, I've just loved discussing with you guys. This is always the, the, the best part of any game that we play is always the discussions we end up having around it. So thank you to all of you for, like I say, committing to it 100%, seeing it through and... Um, you know, being honest with opinions. That's what we're here for. And to you, mate, for guiding us through it. Absolutely my pleasure. It's been a, it's, done a it's, stellar it's been job a real... with the edits yeah. and the hosting. It's been a... Uh, you're a tough act to follow, Mr Gilmore. I feel like it's been a real a real privilege to have the opportunity to talk about a game that I've loved. So there we go. What more could you ask for? Well, I guess that leads us on for a tough act to follow. Chris, what's coming up next? Waffles. You'd better believe to- it. Toast your waffles. To <laughs> That's it. This is the end of season. The end of season four. We 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 bow out for a short break, which is no more or less than our usual cap. Hopefully, but in our minds, so this is the end. The end of one season and the start of the next. We don't know what games we're going to be playing next. We Quite literally got to finalize our picks. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> I think two of us know, two of us maybe so, not so much. So who's, who's <laughs> first up actually? Is that me? Or Yeah, you're first. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so we first. so we actually already know I know what we will be playing next year. And you do as well, Chris. I, I accidentally told you at some point. <laughs> I do, mate. Yeah. In fact I've got I've got the game sitting right next to me mm. just out of shot on the camera. So uh, I don't know why I look to my side then. Well I may have ordered so, the, my, my pick I ordered a game today that uh, that may be my pick. Mm-hmm. That doesn't narrow it down in any game, way. That means it that means it's had a physical release, guys. Mm. So it doesn't narrow it down a mm. little bit. Uh, not necessarily. I could have just 
Maybe it's a maybe it's a oh, maybe it's a pre-order. Who knows? He pre-ordered the new uh, Breath Ooh, of the Wild. That's that can't it. Be. That's not against the, the rules. It's got to be kind of it kind of released in 2023. Them's are the rules. That's very true. <laughs> yes, it may or may not have had a physical cool. release. So there you go. <laughs> well, there we go. So we've got waffles coming up in a couple of weeks, hopefully, where we'll announce the season five games and we'll. We'll probably do what we normally do and just have a natter and a look back on season four, look ahead to season five. I can't wait a couple uh, of weeks. Can, can we record this Sunday? Well, Jim's going on holiday. <laughs> I am. No, nope. I'm off to Wales. Not now, Jim. Cancelled. No. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> Permission denied. Leave. Leave. Cancelled. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Holiday cancelled. There's a war on, Jim. We're all going to go off. And pro- <laughs> probably going to all try and cram in some short games, aren't we? Before we start on whatever Mads has got in store for us. So. Yeah. It's not too long. It'll be. It'll be okay. <laughs> We're all very much looking forward to it. So that's where we'll be. That's when we'll be back with with some uh, with some honey coat of waffles. Indeed. Just before I give the usuals on where to find us, any thanks or shout-outs from anybody to anyone else? Yeah, I'd like to thank, as I've done so many times, Carl from the Video Game Newsroom Time Machine, but this time especially because he provided us with that uh, wonderful and thoughtful clip that we played at the beginning of the show. So thanks a lot, Carl. Yeah, likewise. I had him on my list to say a thanks to, so thank you for doing that. Yep. Big thanks. Yep, from me, just everyone who's played along with us, everyone who's contributed clips, uh, you guys for the for the waffles and the chat, and Andy for hosting, usual stuff with uh, Gree for the covers this time, and Dean for, for putting putting them together for us, Steve for the music, Martin for the help with the website, and uh, yeah, generally just everyone who listens and who's stuck with us, you know, we've been doing this now for well over two years, and uh, is it two years? Not three years, is it? Well, two, two and a bit. Two and a bit. Yeah, two, two and a bit. bit. Yeah. Yeah, and we're still going, aren't we? We're onwards and upwards to episode one hundred. I love this. This is, you know, this is the highlight of 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 my my spare time. I love it. You know, I love doing it. Likewise, for as long as you guys, for as long as you guys are, are in with it, you know, we'll we'll just crack on. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, yeah. So big thank you to everyone who supports us and listens to us. It's much appreciated. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Good. Well, as always. If you need to find us at any point in between podcasts, the best place is on our Discord channel. Just search playthrough on Discord. You'll find us loads of channels for all our current and previous playthroughs, along with some multiplayer get-togethers and some general chat as well. It's always a, a very active, um, very active little forum. Lots of uh, lots of good stuff to be found on there. Outside of that. On Twitter, we're at playthrough underscore pods. We've got a very nice website with all of our previous episodes available for download, including the very relevant pilot series on the original Dead Space. It's at www.playthroughpod.com. And I said that uh, presence also on Twitch, Facebook and Instagram. You can find us just by searching for Playthrough. Gentlemen, that's it from me. And that's it for Red Dead Redemption. Onwards to Waffles. Thank you very much. And bye for now. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.